Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Survival time. I am your host, Richard McGregor, and we're coming back. Uh, some more on urban survival and how to survive law enforcement contacts. What you need to do, folks, is uh, get down there right now and work with your police. Get them, get them, get them away from this uh, gang mentality. Cops have always been this us versus them, but it's it's becoming dangerous. Um. You know, maybe you need to talk to your police department and get them to start realizing that, you know, just because a guy's 21, that don't necessarily make him qualified to become a police officer. Um, and nothing against veterans. I'm a veteran. I was a police officer. But some of these guys that have come back from Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, especially the Iraqi uh, vets, they need some cooling off period. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire a guy fresh out of the Army, fresh off the streets of Iraq, and put him in a patrol car. I'm, I'd want to see some. I'd want to see some uh, some some time there, you know, because I don't want him translating his activities the way he treated those Iraqi citizens into treating my citizens back here in the United States, treating us. It's two different kinds of things. What he was doing there was a military-involved campaign, and that's that's what we need to get away from. Our police have become too militarized. They are Gestapo. They are SS in many cities. Now, some of you live in a small community, and you're close to your police, and you say they're not like that. Well, to a certain extent, they're not. But you have some feds show up, or the county sheriff, or the state police, and they're asking for backup. And they come out to your house, and you know Officer Jones and Officer Smith from your local police department. But now the feds have said you did something, even whether you did or didn't do it. People are falsely accused all the time. People are wrongly accused all the time. Uh, you know, uh, claims and evidences and lies and people do things to people and get people in trouble. And here you are, now your local officers, they're not, now they're, what, they're on the side of the fence with the feds. 
They're on the side of the fence with the state police. You think they're now going to act in your best interest in your behalf? They're cutting that thing now. They're caught in the gang. They're, they've got to help the gang to do what it's got to do. So you need to work these things out. You need to find out where your, where your cops are at. Where's your sheriff at? You don't walk up to your sheriff and say, are you taking federal money? Are you taking federal training courses? Are you listening to them tell you that people have Ron Paul stickers on the back of their car or are terrorists? That guys returning from Iraq who don't want to be police officers are, and have a differing political view are terrorists? Um, you know, uh, people that don't necessarily that, that talk about the Constitution, that they're terrorists? And that's the training that's coming down out of the feds, folks. Uh, there isn't a fed I trust period. You know, when a police officer walks up to you and says, hey, uh, and then he says, uh, well, first off, they've now so twisted the Miranda warning, but now they've gotten loopholes in that where they can just start talking to you, and you think that you're supposed to be Mirandized, but they're just asking you some questions, so you just go ahead and ask them, answer them. Uh-uh. First question out of your mouth if a cop wants to ask you a question, do I have the right to remain silent? Well, you do, but if you don't have anything to hide, oh, no, officer, I don't have anything to hide, but I do have the integrity of your office and of, the, and of my rights to protect. So if uh, you're going to ask me some questions and I do have the right to remain silent and I have the right to counsel, President, why don't you get me some counsel over here since I can't afford it because I have no intention of answering your questions. You know, if you're walking down the street, minding your own business, the cop wants to talk to you, you're under no obligation to stop. You can keep going. You can say, I'm sorry, I'm busy, I don't have time for you. Don't get engaged in a conversation, just go. Leave. Unfortunately, they've got us, uh, you know, conditioned and trained and got their response system set up that when they put those blue and red lights on you in a car and you're driving your car, you're kind of, kind of, um, you know, we need to work on that. There are ways around it. And, yes, some people win and some people lose, and they make life tough for everybody. And sometimes sometimes you get some victories and you win. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to win. We've got to – and the only way that I can see winning is moving to small towns, small population counties, rural counties. And you're not going to get that on the east of the Mississippi. You're going to get that in the Midwest and in the West and in the rural West. Certainly not going to get it at Los Angeles County or San Francisco County or even Sacramento County. And I wouldn't even try it in any California County. They're just too over. They're, 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 too, they're too much. They're too much uh, hall monitor mentality. You can see, you can go in a place and you can like, you can go into a fire department and you can find guys that are just nice guys, friendly, you know, would go through a burning building to save you or your child. And then there are other fire departments you can go in, and you can just tell there's just something not right. It's just something not right. And they're rural guys. Boy, I'll tell you, everything's cut and dry. It's by the rule, and we're going to do this, this, and this, and we're not going to do that and that and that. And we're going to make life difficult for you if, if things go wrong. Well, there are police, lots of police like that, lots and lots and lots and lots of cops, lots of deputy sheriffs, lots of sheriffs. You need to find out what your sheriff's mentality is. Find out 
Well, if a Katrina-type situation happened and someone ordered, say, the governor to collect or confiscate firearms in the county, go door-to-door, what would you do? You know, you can go down and ask your National Guard commander. Nah, eh, he's going to tell you, oh, I wouldn't do that. But then again, I'll guarantee you when it comes down to it, he's looking at that major's oak leaf that he could get in another year after being a captain of the company for a while or uh, being kicked out or maybe court-martialed and going to Leavenworth for not obeying an order. Mm, I think I'll collect these guns. I'll tell you, folks, if you do like they did in Katrina, and voluntarily hand them over. You know, people, I've heard this I've heard this for years. I heard people say, you know, well, if every Jew had met every Nazi at the door with a gun or a club, there wouldn't have been many Nazis getting killed, and there wouldn't have been any Jews hauled off to concentration camps. Well, if three or four people in Katrina had answered the door and said, you want my gun? You can have it after it's empty. Yeah, some of them might have gotten killed. But I guarantee the other side wouldn't have been so enthusiastic about going and collecting guns. Now, you've got to ask yourself this question. Well, is it, well, well, that's not worth taking a life. Excuse me, folks. Our country was birthed and born over the fact that an opposing, oppositional, tyrannical government force army was going to confiscate and collect guns. That's what the British were going after at Concord. They were going after the artillery pieces, the shot, the powder, and the large supply of military-style firearms. They weren't after the musket or the flintlock rifle that the farmer had in Lexington. Only until they stood on the green and challenged them, then they ordered him to disarm. But they would have never taken those rifles because they knew they needed to hunt, defend themselves against Indian attacks, etc., 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 and be the militia. But when those people finally said, enough is enough, we're going to fight you, and they had started stockpiling serious armaments, that's when the British went after it. So if you let them come and take, right now, Nagin, the guy who was governor, or mayor, excuse me, uh, of New Orleans, there's still lawsuits going on over firearms that were collected at Katrina that have yet to be returned. How many years has that been now? So do you want your property seized from you? And I'll tell you, when police take property like guns, if it's not one that they like and that they'll steal, I had a friend, he had a practically brand-new military-style rifle, and it got confiscated. It was illegal how it was confiscated. But he got it back nine months later. And it, like I say, when it got taken from him, it was practically brand-new. I don't think he even shot at 150 rounds. When he got it back, the barrel was shot out. It was scratched to pieces. It was beat to death. They had gotten hold of some ammunition, and they just shot it and shot it and shot it, and they didn't care about it. I've heard of other times where ATF has come in, guns that come in presentation boxes that you never shoot. You don't even cock the hammer because you don't want to scratch them or anything like that, right? When they confiscate them, they just get a gunny sack, and they don't take the box. They just yank the gun out, throw it in the bag, and then when they know you're going to get them back, if they, if they don't get to keep them confiscated, they'll take and dump a pound of salt down in the bag and then take it to the shower. And then they'll throw it back in, their, in, in their, little, their little storage area, and then they'll bring it back to you in about a month. Oh, we're not responsible for how they're stored. That's what they do with your guns when they take them from you. 
So, are you going to let them have your gun? Or are you going to let them have the ammunition and then give them the gun if they take it from your cold, dead fingers? Uh, you got to make your own decision in life. I don't know where your line is drawn, but I've drawn my line in the sand, and I know where it's at. Uh, I'm a man who wants to live at peace. Be at peace with all people. Don't try to steal me. Don't kidnap me. Don't abuse me and don't steal my property, and you have no problem with me. You don't try to hurt me or harm me. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're wearing blue or red or tan or black, what your gang colors are. Don't try and steal me. Don't hurt me. Don't try to hurt me. Don't point a weapon at me. And I won't point a weapon at you. I don't care what kind of gang you're in. Black, brown, white, or blue. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Let me live in peace. Let me do what I want to do. I'm not going to go out and harm anybody. I'm not burglarizing, raping, and robbing. I'm not a criminal. You know, I don't have a lot of money. I'm, I'm on disability. So sometimes a piece of paper, I might have to avoid and juggle paying for a piece of paper. And so I might have to be behind a month on something. So you're going to pull me over one day because I make a small, quote-unquote, traffic infraction mistake. And because I don't have that piece of paper, you're going to steal my vehicle. That's theft. You took it without a court order. You took it out without a trial. The Constitution is quite clear. It says you're not supposed to do that. But yet, we all stand by and let them do it. And, and you, if you don't stand up for the people, the poor people, the people who have made mistakes, and they might be dirtbags and they might be wrong, and they're, they, they drunk and drive and, 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 and they lost their license and all these other things that happened to them. When do we give someone, when do we forgive? All of you out there profess to be Christians, okay. If a guy did something so heinous that we really shouldn't forgive him, he should be dead. Rapists, murderers, kidnappers, people that do horrible things to children, they shouldn't even be going to prison except long enough for a time to get to the gallows. Guys who do property crimes and drugs, all right, they go to prison and they pay their time. When do we give them the break? Because now we've made them felons. They come out and we won't let them, we won't let them drive a commercial truck. We won't let them get a commercial driver's license. We won't let them work in most businesses because they're a felon. They can't rent a decent house in a decent neighborhood. So now they're all jammed back into the little crap neighborhoods. And now all of a sudden they're back to having to steal to survive. When are we going to give people that break? When are we going to give the break that we would like to have if we made a mistake? And some of us have made mistakes in the past and got those breaks. Whatever level of mistake it was, you made mistakes as children. It's a good thing your parents didn't hold you to that one mistake you made at six years old for the rest of your life, huh? Survival. Day-to-day survival in these cities is going to become very, very difficult. That they're stealing now. A fellow just in San Francisco, he was mugged and beat up. He had long hair. They cut his hair off 
because there's now a market for human hair. The thieves stole his hair, cut his hair off down to the scalp. You know, I don't know. Some of you may have seen this one. It's on YouTube. You can go look it up. Camden, Ohio. Police officer there. In Ohio, if you have a permit to carry a concealed weapon, you are required by law during a traffic stop or law enforcement contact to inform the police officer that you have a permit to carry. This gentleman was trying to inform the police officer. The police officer, I'm talking. You shut up. You're interfering with me. I don't want to hear. I don't care to hear what you say. You're going to listen to me. Blah 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 blah. But finally, the guy got it through to the cop that a, I'm just trying to tell you, I've got a concealed weapon on me and a license to carry it. When a cop went, you son of a blah, 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 I hate you guys. You think you can do this. You think you can do that. Get your permit to carry. I ought to shoot you. I ought to kill you. He pulls his gun out and is jamming it up against the guy's head. I ought to dump all ten rounds of these into your head. It's not the first time this cops did it. There's film of him doing it a year ago. Now that time he was doing it to a quote-unquote what you'd consider a dirtbag and a criminal. So it was okay then. This guy was an honest, solid citizen in his 60s. Well, let me tell you, it wasn't right that he did it to the first guy. It's certainly not right that he did it to the second guy. Now, whatever he was arrested for and charged, the district attorney there in Ohio tried to say, well, we'll drop those charges if you'll just make nothing out of this other thing and let it slide. He, he said, what? He said, I don't think I'm going to get convicted of what you arrested me for to begin with, and I'm going to own your police department when it's done. That guy should never be a police officer, a Camden police officer, should never be a cop again the rest of his life. Should not be given any position of power. I wouldn't want him to be a scoutmaster of a Boy Scout troop. He's a nut, a psychotic, psychopath nut. And he's going to go off and cook and kill. Let me tell you another thing about your wonderful police. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Costco. Goody two shoes from former from I think from California moved over, transferred from a Costco in California to one in Phoenix. I can't remember if it was a male or a female, but the goody two shoes could not stand because this was before they they had just passed their uh, concealed carry without permit law, but this was before before the uh, it went into effect. So if you wanted to carry and you didn't have a permit, you had to open carry. So this gentleman was open carrying in a holster on his hip, going into Costco with his wife. Well, the Goody Two-Shoes employee, not understanding Arizona law and being anti-gun, didn't like it. Didn't like it. By God, it was going to do something about it. So it called the police on its own without managerial authority or, or intervention and said, there's a man in Costco with a gun, and he's acting strange. Well, he wasn't acting strange. He was shopping. So he gets his what he's going to get. He gets in. He comes. He comes out. They got to understand now. They're really nervous and upset because after the shooting of the Congress critter down there, they're they're ready to jump and and go. You know, jump out of their skin at the sound of someone with a gun acting strange. So he goes. Out the door, you know, those of you that have done the Costco thing, you know, it kind of gets bunched up there. They want to look at your receipt. There's a little covey of people, about 20 people. And all of a sudden he hears this, freeze, freeze, don't move, don't move, freeze, don't move. 
Well, he's trying to look around and see what the heck's going on. He sees two cops, but he can't really tell they're looking at him or giving him commands because he's got people between him and them. So what's he do? He's figuring, oh, there's something going on. We need to get out of here. He grabs his wife by the arm and kind of drags her along and goes around the corner out the door. So here's a man who's trying to clear the area, get his wife out of harm's way, and the police interpret that, that he's got a hostage. And as he stepped around the corner, three of them unloaded on him, blew his chest out, killed him, murdered him. All because some goody two-shoes decided, you shouldn't have a gun. I ran into an individual here recently who didn't know a lot about firearms and didn't have an understanding of what I'm talking to you tonight about, and they thought that only the police and the military should have guns, that other people couldn't be responsible. Well, this individual was with me on a trip, and I was in a group of friends of mine from another town, and we were all imbibing and enjoying a good cigar, and we sat there for a couple hours chit-chatting and talking, and after the event, I made comment to the individual. I said, now, did you feel threatened or intimidated by anybody there? Oh, no, I had a great time, blah, blah, blah. It was all wonderful, blah, 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 blah. No problems, right? Absolutely not. And I told this individual that everyone there was armed. This individual was quite surprised. Come to the realization that, well, wait a minute. No one could have done anything nasty or wrong to me because... There were four men here who would have come to my defense instantly and had the means to do it. They're liberty teeth, folks. Liberty teeth. They're your Thomas Jefferson, water the tree of liberty every generation. We have not been watering the tree of liberty. We have been being bamboozled. We've been letting... Pastors of church. Do you know there's a program going on right now where the feds are going around and they're teaching classes to pastors of churches. And they're teaching them to profile the members of their church for the ones who are gun owners. And they're also getting to teach, they're giving them messages, government-sanctioned church messages that are, you know, they don't want to get you too riled up. They don't want you to get mad. They don't want you to get mad enough to get pitchforks and, uh, and torches and uh, go pillory the, the castle where the evil is going on. And your pastors are signed up for it. Now that's supposed to be the shepherd of the flock who's supposed to look after. Looks like to me he's cutting a deal with the wolf on how many sheep the wolf gets this week. You need to find out if your pastor's done that. And if he has, he needs to not be, you don't need to leave the church. You need to get your church members together and make the pastor leave the church. Stand your ground, folks. Dig in. Get tough. Get moral. Get right. Get a gun. Get some ammunition. Learn to use it. Where you got the opportunity to get a permit to carry, Get the permit and carry by their rules, as long as their rules are in existence. Those of you who live in a place where they won't let you get one or you can't get one, you've got to make your own decision. And then if you get stopped on a traffic stop and they want to search, 
you got to make your next decision. And I can't make it for you. And I'm not going to tell you what to do. You know your life. You know how long you're going to live. And you know what you're willing to put up with. And if you're willing to go to jail again for having an unlawful or unregistered or an illegal weapon according to their rules, I don't look at it as having an illegal weapon. My rights come from God. And God told me to sell my outer garment and get a sword. Well, in a modern time, that's a pistol or a rifle. So my Constitution for my employees says that I have the right to keep and bear arms, and it shall not be infringed. When it says that at the state level. So where do these people, where do these 50 or 70 people, depending on what state you live in, get together in Sacramento or Salem or Olympia or Austin or, or, or uh, you know, uh, uh, gosh, uh, trying to think, Tallahassee, uh, whatever, whatever your state capital is, get together a couple of months out of each year and tell us how to live. We elected them. Did we elect them to take our rights away? No, we elected them to protect us, not to regulate us to death, not to fee us to death, not to write a million rules and rule us to death. You need to get your beans, your rice, and your bullets. You need to get your learning in, and you need to move out of these cities. Those of you say, well, I've got a job and I can't do it and i got to make my living. You're not making a living. You're putting your family in harm's way. Putting your wife and your children in the belly of the beast. Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian and you serve God, then God's not, does he not know how many feathers the bird has? Does he not know how many hairs are on your head? All right. If you need to get out of the city, he'll make a way for you. He'll help you. Get on your knees. Wear the, wear the knees of your britches out, talking to God. Read his word. You know? Find something some way. Some of you got relatives that live out on farms. You know? Go home. Go back to your roots. You know, you could grow gardens. And start drinking out of glass jars, not getting BPA, poisoning yourself. Stop having high fructose corn syrup and killing your children. I see, see, I see women who would be an utter horror if their child ran across the street in front of cars. Hand them a Coke at four years old in a restaurant. And I look at them and I go, that's child abuse. You're giving that child poison. Anyway, there's uh, Mr. Cash, and we will be back after this break. This is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor. You can run on American Voice Radio. Beans, rice, and bullets. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider, tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter, tell him that God's gonna cut him down, tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news. 
My head's been wet with the midnight dew. I've been down on bended knee, talking to the man from Galilee. He spoke to me in a voice so sweet. I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sleep. He called my name and my heart stood still. When he... Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L-A-N-S-E-T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. There are nine kinds of water. Hard water, raw water, boiled water, salt water, rain water, snow water, filtered water, deionized water, and distilled water. Only one of these kinds of water is good for you. Distilled water is water which has been turned into vapor so that all its impurities are left behind. Then, by condensing, it is turned back to pure water. It is the only water which is pure. The only water free from all impurities. The choice is clear. Dr. Alan E. Bannock. Order your tabletop water distiller for $139.99. Post paid. It comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water. Go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's Superstore.TheAmericanVoice.com Order now. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news My head's been wet with the midnight dew I've been down on bended knee Talking to the man from Galilee He spoke to me with a voice so sweet I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sleep He called my name and my heart stood still When he said, John, go do my will Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time Run on for a long time Sooner or later gotta cut you down Sooner or later gotta cut you down Well you may throw your rock Hide your hand Working in the dark against your fellow man But as sure as God made black and white What's done in the dark will be brought to the light You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time Run on for a long time Sooner or later gotta cut you down Sooner or later gotta cut you down Tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut you down Tell him that God's gonna cut you down Tell him that God's gonna cut you down Hi, this is Survival Time. I am your host, Richard McGregor, and welcome back. I was going to tell you... Uh, Oh, what's the other little story? Oh, yeah. I was going to you know, talk about uh, <clears throat> claims by the law enforcement. I want to tell you, uh, a gentleman here within this area, he uh, he was in his garage on uh, 4th of July night. And the uh, city ordinance where he lives uh, says there will be no explosive-type fireworks, no firecrackers, no cherry bombs, uh, no bottle rockets, those kinds of things. So it's close to 10 o'clock at night, 4th of July night. Now this, you know, come on. We've already celebrated. The next day is a business day. Everybody's going to be working. People need to be getting to sleep. The loudest explosion he's probably ever heard in his neighborhood. So he runs out to see what the heck's going on. Now there's four punks, 20-somethings, down at the corner. He lives on old U Street, and he goes over to the other side, and he asks them what the heck they're doing, and, you know, the little ruckus starts. One of them puts his hands on him. He warns him to take his hands off. Now, this individual was a concealed carry, but he did not draw. So he, you know, the guy backs off. He leaves. He goes back to his house. Twenty minutes later, four of Medford's finest show up at his front door, calling him, telling him to disarm, come outside, and blah, 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 blah. So he goes out. He's going to talk to him, tell him what was going on. Well, they slam him up against his truck, throw handcuffs on him, arrest him for a minor BS misdemeanor, menacing. Throw him in the back of the car, take him down to jail. His family was out of town, so he didn't get to get out until the next morning. Um, whole set of circumstances. 
One of the little punks, uh, it's believed, is related somehow to one of the city's finest. So these law enforcement officers, first off, it was a misdemeanor not committed in their presence. There was no confrontation in process at the time. So now it was to be hand that should be handed over to a detective. Should be investigated. There's no need for law enforcement because there is no breach of peace. Additionally, when they had put him in handcuffs, he's now under arrest. He's in custody. He had told them they could not go into his house. They said, tough, we're going in anyway. And they confiscated his handgun and a couple of knives, hunting knives. Now, they couldn't get into his safe. It was locked, thank God. But when he come out, he said, hey, that's my property. And he says, well, you ain't going to get it back. We keep these. And I'm going, okay. So now they've just committed kidnapping, uh, violation of authority under color of law, unlawful arrest, and theft. Yet they're trying to tell this individual that he can go ahead and plead guilty and they'll do a diversion program and, you know, it won't be on his record. Folks, Stop. Stop. Don't play those games with these people. If they're going to convict you, let them convict you. Demand a jury trial. Drag it out. Learn to use the system. The first thing you need to do is always challenge. When, they, when you go in to be arraigned for the first time, say, excuse me, I have a question of jurisdiction. I want to know the jurisdiction, and if the judge says, well, I have the jurisdiction, he says, no, it's not for you to decide. I'm going to be given 30 days to, to, to write my decision, you know, to make my claims, and we need to go to a jurisdictional hearing. And that's what you do. You tie them up. You make them spend their money. You don't let them have this rubber stamp. Those of you that go in and you get your traffic ticket and then go, well, I can't afford to not to do it. I've got to just, I'll just go pay it. Well, that was back when tickets were $25. Now they're $275, $300. Can you really afford that? I know people that if they get a ticket today, they're ruined. They are sunk. They can't pay it, so they don't. So now they drive. Well, they lose their insurance because they don't have a driver's license because they get their driver's license suspended because they didn't pay the fine because they couldn't afford the fine. Now they get in a traffic stop because they're not driving so well because they're nervous the kids are doing something in the back of the car. And now they get the car stolen. Now they get more tickets. Sometimes in some states they get arrested. Now they're in jail. Now their children aren't able to get the food they need, the clothes they should have. And it becomes this vicious cycle all over little pieces of paper. And if you're a police officer, let me tell you a story. Up in Grants Pass, Oregon, they, a group of do-gooders were going to do a thing in the park for the homeless people. So they put out big flyers, all the homeless, come on down, we're going to have a homeless count, we're going we're to help you out, we're going to get you services, we're going to get you some food stamps, we're going we're to feed you, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. Well, I knew a gal 
tried to actually help her out a little bit. I hired her to do some work for me a couple of times while I was selling on the side of the road. And uh, she was just in a set of bizarre circumstances. She had slight mental retardation. Her husband had died of a heart attack. She got ripped off for her, her travel trailer and her truck. She'd wound up being able to get this little minivan. Now, she had her two dogs, and that was her whole world. And she had everything in that little minivan. And she had a little stove. And she had it well organized. It was, you know, wasn't a mess. She, she, was, she, was, she kept herself clean. Now, where she was hanging out near the Merlin exit, there was a sheriff and an OSP, Oregon State Police, but they knew her circumstances. They knew she didn't have a driver's license. They knew she didn't have insurance. But they left her alone because they had some compassion. But she had heard about this homeless thing. So she drove down to Grants Pass a few miles south, went into the park, and her and another fellow went in with, their, with his mini motorhome. And when they left, two scurrilous, nasty, filth-bag dogs of police officers in Grants Pass were sitting there in their patrol cars waiting for them and made a made-up excuse to stop them. Oh, you don't have a driver's license or insurance. Well, we're going to have to take these vehicles. It was raining. It was still in the tail end of winter. And they dumped them both out on the street with their dogs and minimal possessions and took their vehicles. Now, a lot of people called the chief and complained. A lot of people called the newspaper and complained. The newspaper wrote a really nice story about it. But the two dirtbag, scumbag, filth pot, worthless pieces of crap cops, I hope they're sleeping well. I hope God, what I really hope for those two officers is that God rewards them 100 times the way they treated those two people. Those two people were not dangerous to anyone. They weren't stealing from anyone. They minimally drove their vehicles only to get from one place to the other to make a little bit of money selling plasma or picking up aluminum cans. And they put them on the street. Took people who were already down and out but trying to lift themselves up and shot them so far back. I'll tell you what, right now, I'll say this to you in public, I'll say this right now on the air. If I was driving down Grants Pass and a gang of Nortenos or Nuesta Familiar were beating the crap out of both of those cops, I wouldn't pick a pistol up to stop it for a New York second. I'd sit there and film it and put it on YouTube. That's how much I hate them for what they did to those people. You want to be a good cop? You don't do things like that. You said you're there to help the people? Then help the people. Don't use administrative rules and little pieces of paper to destroy and harm and injure people. You folks need to get into the country get into small towns, become good, solid Christians in neighborhoods, learn who's on your side, and get ready to take care of the people who will not be on your side when the time of Jericho comes. When it comes time to survive, you better already know who's on your side in your town. And those that you know will be leeches and vermin and filth you need to call the exterminator. Call the orkin man. Beans, rice, and bullets, folks. 
knowledge, skill, training, learn, learn. Things are getting much serious, much faster. Jacob's trouble is coming. Time you do not have. Or $1,650 an ounce for gold. The beginning of this year, we were at 13. The dollar is worthless. Food prices are already up 15 to 20%. Wheat, rice, much, much, much higher than it was a year ago. And you folks need to not be hesitating. Get a second job. Sell the big screen TV. You know, sell the jet ski. Get rid of the boat. Unless you need it to survive. Part of your survival program. You're going to go some to island somewhere. Okay, keep the boat. But you know what I mean. Stop frivolously spending money. You women, get with your husbands and work with them. Stop buying purple. Can't eat it, can't store it, can't wear it as a clothing item. Get rid of it. Get prepared. Okay, let's say you get prepared. You've done everything you can do two years from now. You're pretty much set. You got your guns, you got your ammunition, you got your clothes, you got your food. All right, go buy purple. Go on vacation, enjoy yourself if the things haven't collapsed by then. But I don't know about you. <laughs> what I did when I when I was growing up and now is a far, far, far different place. You know, this is not a nice place to live. You know? Uh, I still have good friends and I still make things, you know, happen for myself personally. But you know, we're all, you know, worried. We step out the door. We're looking and seeing who's who's coming and why are they coming. Are those any of you out there that'd like to give a call and ask a question? You can call 800-596-8191, 800-596-8191. Or those of you with unlimited minutes or international callers, 541-826-9159. 541-826-9159, and you can give an old talk here to old Richard and ask a question. You can ask me, have I gone off the deep end or gone off my rocker? But uh, I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of reading the stories of abuse. I'm sick and tired of, of, of hearing about people who are supposed to be there to provide services and protect us and look after us, um, treating people like minutiae. I've seen people in the VA hospital, their employees there, they got all these little placards and signs all over here helping vets. I've seen them be as nasty to a World War II vet last week as you could possibly be. And I thought, what in the heck is her problem? He didn't need to be treated like that. I had one at the eye clinic. You know? She was just nasty from the start out, and, and after she was finished with me being nasty, she was nasty to the guy behind me. I went back and I told her, I said, you know, I've kind of mused over the years because I've been to about a dozen different VA facilities, hospitals during my life. 
And I said, I've always mused that uh, there are different people I've traveled, and I would hire them from my VA. You know, if I could have the dream VA facility, these would be people that I would hire. And I looked at her and I said, you wouldn't be one. You wouldn't work in my VA. And that's what I told her. I didn't cuss her out. I just told her that. I was going to ride on her heart harder and more. You don't need to cuss these people up. You just need to bless them. Somebody does something wrong to you, you just look back at them and say, I pray that God rewards you a hundredfold for the way in which you think or treat have treated me. I'll tell you, I've done that to quite a few people, and that scares them. That unnerves them. Because part of them, in the back of their little mind, they went to church one time in their life, and they do have an understanding that God exists. And now you prick their conscience, because now they have to realize, you know, you know what, what I am doing might be so, might be wrong. Now they can make atonement and amends for it. They don't have to apologize to me. If they can seek forgiveness for God and change their ways, then God won't necessarily have to hit them a hundred times fold with the negative. But to the contrary, God said, "Pray for our enemies." He didn't say he had to pray that they had good times. He didn't say you should pray that they have bad times. But you sure can pray that they're blessed according to the way they treat you. And that's not you saying nothing bad about them then. If they're mean and nasty in their spirit and their heart, then that's the blessing they get. Mean and nasty. And I think that's a much better way than trying to cuss somebody out. Or holler at them. When they've done you wrong. All right. I was thinking about, um, now we've talked in the past, where would you carry a pistol if you're not going to carry it on you? If you're in one of these states where they don't let you have a pistol in your car, and I've told you you need to go get yourself a uh, rolling lock combination briefcase with a dial on it. And you want to set your combinations two different numbers. Don't put them the same on both sides. That way, if one side gets compromised, they can't just automatically open the other side because they'll assume that it's the same combination on both sides. Then you go down to Harbor Tool and Freight, and there's a push-button combination key lock box. And then you go over to some place, and you get yourself the uh, port teat head license plate screws. You drill a hole through the bottom of the briefcase, through the box, through the push-button key box, be sure to offset it from the back because you have to have enough for its lid, you know, room for its lid to hinge up. Mount the box in there. Put your foam in there. Stick your your firearm in there. Lock it. Now you know the push button combination. You can set the briefcase on the front seat of your car. You can leave it unlocked. You're getting in a traffic stop. You can reach over and hit the lock it down. Police officer walks up to your car and says, "Do you have any weapons on board?" Say, "Excuse me, officer, but what did you pull me over for?" See, I, I didn't answer his question. I didn't lie to him either. Well, I asked you if you had any weapons on board. And I said, officers, nothing in this car that can harm or hurt you. I don't answer their questions directly. I ask them a question back. It's called the Jewish mother defense or the Jewish mother interrogation. You get asked a question. Jewish mothers never answer a question. I was asking another question. So you always do that to the police officer. That way you always put it back on him. Why did you stop me? If you don't have a driver's license, say, you know, the, the, 
all right, let's say you're let's say you're you're you've gotten yourself in a pickle. You don't have driver's license. You don't have insurance. Barely got registration. Then he asks you. Starts asking you a bunch of questions. <laughs> you say, "Excuse me, officer, but can anything I say to you be used against me in a court of law?" So then I have the right to remain silent. I wish to invoke and exercise those rights. Now it's a police investigation, folks. You just invoked your rights. You can't ask you any more questions. Richard. Yo. You've got a caller. Go ahead, caller. Who's calling and where? This is John from Texas. Hello, John. How you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. I've got uh, two questions for you. I've called, it before you. I've called before. You've given me excellent advice on uh, supplies and carrying stuff uh, for long road trips, etc. So since you were spot on that first time, I thought I'd ask you two more questions about uh Two unrelated things. The first one is, is uh, if you're in the big city and you've got a uh, police officer that is giving you problems when trying to file a report, uh, and this person is just just out of control, rude. What is your recommendations about going to their their chief? I mean, this. I'll, I'll just explain real quick. I had an issue where I had to make a police report, and um, the officer was the most rude person in the whole planet, like I was a piece of trash. And I did not feel served, I did not feel protected, I felt abused. And uh, I'd asked a few friends, you know, what they thought about this, and they're all like, well, you ought to just forget about it, because if you bring it up, next time they see your vehicle, that that individual, that police officer is gonna tell everybody about about you, who you are, and they'll just start harassing every time they see you out on the road. So just kind of just let it go. I mean, I, I, I've got that, and I've got a firearms question. What's your advice on the uh, first question? How do you handle something like that? Well, okay, first off, do, do let me ask you this. What size of the city are we talking about? How many police officers? Population of the city, about a million and a half. Oh, so lots of cops. You know what? What you need to do is you need to write up the synopsis of what happened, documentate it, get it. Uh, uh, you, you can do you can do several things, but one thing that I would do is I would contact the supervisor, and I would contact their internal affairs, because that's a big enough department that's going to have that, and I would complain. Okay. And let me tell you, if he comes after and harasses you after you filed a proper complaint, then he's in trouble. You go back and you call the sheriff and you have him arrested for harassment. You at least file a complaint against him with the sheriff's department if he does harass you after you file a complaint. I wouldn't I, let it sit. I, I, I've seen that officer on the same side of town that I had to file a report on, and that police officer, officer gives me eagle eyes every time I uh, I see that individual. So I'm I, I even got I even went out and got a, a phone that's got video and audio recording capabilities in case this person starts harassing me. So I guess if I go ahead and make that complaint, I make sure I have that handy at all times. Right now, he's already got your number, and it looks like he's keeping an eye on you. So you have no legal legs to stand on from, you have no protection from him now. He'll just continue to harass you. But if you go and file a complaint, now you've started paperwork. Now the other thing you could do is file a story of how he treated you with your local cop watch. They're online. You can get the story and have it published on cop watch. 
you know, get put, get his name, get his badge number, get a photograph of him. The best thing that we can do is shine a light on these guys. We need to start illuminating the bad cops. We need to start calling them out. We need to let them know they're being watched, that their activities will not be tolerated. Yeah, because you're spot on. They're out of control. I mean, uh, what you were saying earlier on your show about how they're being militarized, that's spot Absolutely. on. I mean, uh, I've seen them in tactical gear in my city, and, uh, you know, I could hardly tell the difference between the police officers and the uh, people coming or serving in Afghanistan, you know? I mean, come on. Oh, who are they after? I mean, what are they afraid of? I don't, I, it's just it's unbelievable. It is a gang mentality. It's the, them against us. And right. like, my, like this individual where the four police officers drug him out of his house effectively, forced him out of his house and threw him up against his own truck, that man's never been arrested. 60 years old, lived in that house for 20 years. Not a criminal. Not, 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 not even, not even as somebody who drank alcohol. Yet he's the one that went to jail when these four punks with their illegal fireworks and assaulted him get to walk away, and the cops are jovial and on the side of those four punks. Uh, not, not, not something that the, is is moral, ethical, or right. You said you had another question, a firearms question. Yes, I do. Okay. You mentioned before in a, another show that it's, it's good to carry, it's good to have a firearm that's got a, that takes NATO round. Now, I, I, I understand that for, uh, for rifles, that's, that's, that's good. And I, I'm looking for something that's, that you can carry, uh, like, let's say, a pistol. And my, my local gun show was, some, some cat was trying to hustle me a 40, but I'm kind of, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a pistol guy, so you need to, uh, or if you could, if you could teach me a little bit about the difference between a 40 and a 45, and, uh, and what, what, what do you recommend well, for, uh, pers- for personal defense and, let's say, ample supply of ammunition if there becomes a uh, post-apocalyptic situation? Well, I'll get you on the state. State, don't go anywhere. We'll come back after the bottom of the break, and I'll answer that question for you when we get into the gun section. This is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor, and we'll be back with John from Texas after this break.
internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L A N S E T.com or call 530 265 8333. 530 265 8333 and let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio.
Whether using your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. Survival Time. I am your host, Richard McGregor. This is American Voice Radio, AmericanVoiceRadio.com. All right, uh, we're coming back to you. I, I did have one of the things. We still have John on the line. Are you there, John? Yeah, sure am. Okay, uh, there was one other thing I was thinking of during the break there. You might want to go ahead and do with that law enforcement officer. Write a simple synopsis of the incident. Go to your local nickel paper, your bargain paper, and put it in as a legal notice so that you have a public record of it as well as besides, and then take a full a full uh, uh, deposition of yourself uh, of, of the incident and go down to your courthouse and file it in the miscellaneous file. And be sure they give you a filed stamp, not just a received stamp. Anytime you work with a county recorder or a county clerk, a lot of times they'll like to just go ahead and put received, and then they'll dump your paperwork off to the site, and uh, you'll go, well, wait a minute. What do you mean you didn't file it? Well, it's not filed. We don't know where it's at. And see, and then they didn't break the law. But if you get it and it says filed, they have to file it. It becomes a legal document then. And then that way you've got, you know, and what I would do is I'd get that first, make a copy of that, and give it to the chief of police, this is to inform you, Chief. I filed a complaint against this officer with your uh, with your uh, internal affairs and with his supervisor, and this is just to CC and, and notify you that this information, so that the chief has got a separate individual letter. And then one more person you want to give a copy of that to, uh, maybe two more people, is your city council person, if you have ones assigned to your area, 
If you have a general open city council, then give every one of the city council members and the mayor. But if you just have an assigned city council, give it to your assigned city councilman for your area and to the mayor. And uh, that way everybody knows what's going on. And then that way, if the cop does try to harass you, you're, you're covered. Now, on your firearm question. That sounds like that would really rattle their cage, which is what you said earlier we need to do. We need to put them, we need to uh, knock them a few notches back into reality. They have to know that we're the boss. They right. work for us. Okay, on the, fire, on the firearms question, so I'm looking at either a 40 or a 45. Uh, I've been looking at a 1919, and, a, and I've also been looking at a, a Colt, uh, it was a Colt 1919, as well as a... 1911. Uh, I'm sorry, 1911, 1911, 1911. and 45, and also a uh, P2000 SK H&K uh, pistol, but that's a 40 cal. So I, 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 I'm kind of, I, I don't know where to go with this. Okay, here's the problem with 40 cal. Only the police in certain areas have that ammunition. It's not a military cartridge, so you're only going to be limited to the supply that's in the commercial market or in the quote-unquote limited law enforcement market. You go with something like a 1911-style pistol, parts and the ability to have it worked on, equipment, accessory, magazines are just so widely available, and 45 ACP is a cartridge that you're going to find just about anywhere in the world. And you're going to find tons of it in the United States. Now, while it's not currently an active military round, anybody who's anybody in law enforcement, in side issues of military like SEALs, um, Green Berets, they've all gone back to 45s. And the beauty about going with a 1911, like I say, is parts availability, holsters, accessories, are you a fairly good-sized man? <coughs> Are you a small frame, medium frame, large frame man? John? Hello? I'm a be I, yeah, I'm medium frame. Medium frame? You should be able to carry at least a, a, a commander size 45 on your body without any problem. Uh, a lot of people can carry full-size guns. I've seen little teeny guys carry full-size government model 45. You would never know it was on them. Now, there is a, you know, Paraordnance, that's a company out of Canada, it's been around for quite a while. They used to make some alloy fat body bottoms that you'd mount onto your own slide and you'd have yourself a 13-round 45. But they had problems with those initially and they were really wide. On their later series of guns now, the ones that are available now, they've got new steel and new metals and they're pretty thin and they got thin line grips and they're maybe just three-quarters of an inch or, you know, maybe not even that uh, a third of an inch wider than a regular 1911 and the magazines are down pretty cheap you can get them from CDN for about 25 bucks and they got 14 and 15 round magazines for them now and uh, that right there with all this wilding and these gangs and all this other stuff that's going on you know you carry a spare mag or two uh, you've got 45 rounds with two spare man stopping cartridge in 45. Widely available, tons of good ammunition, and uh, the guns are around five, six hundred bucks. What's the, so, stopping What's the stopping power difference between the 40 and the 45? Well, see, the 40 is going to be a, it's a more rapid, it's a, it's a, 
faster than the speed of sound around and the 45 slower than the speed of sound. It's kind of like getting hit with a Volkswagen at 80 or hitting with a Mack truck at 60. Uh, yeah. 45 is the Mack truck at 60. You're still, you're, you're going to be dead. Uh, the 40, it, it'll kill you. I mean, it's not, it's not nothing. I wouldn't want to be shot with one. But you're talking about all availability and all factors. I, I would, uh, I would be more inclined to go with the 45. Does this, uh, this 45, the 1911, we're talking the fair ordinance. Does it? Do they have it in black? Oh, you can have it in black. You can have it in parkerized. You can have it in stainless steel. Uh, actually, what a lot of guys want to do is, uh, you know, they get them in blued or parkerized or whatever, and then they get all the work done to them that they want, and then they send them off and either have them coated or or coated or one of the other finishes, and you can then you can have it any color you want. Uh, I think gray would actually be probably a better color, uh, kind of a medium gray. Uh, everybody looks at something black in your hand, always oh, got a handgun. They got something gray, or even now they're making guns in tan for the desert uh, war guys. I mean, I'll tell you, a tan gun in your hand matches the color of, uh, of your skin close. Uh, probably wouldn't even trip anybody's mind for, for a second. And if they're, well, you know, realize what it was. Well, with this drought we're having down here, I guess uh, a tan with tan colored would be a pretty good color. Looks we're like we're in, in Texas. <laughs> and we're gonna be uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, most of your Texas Rangers carry 1911 45 ACPs. Well, that says it all. You got me sold. I will look into it. Uh, all right, appreciate sir. the show. Appreciate the show. Thank you for your time, sir, and your service. Thanks. Thanks for calling, John. God bless. All right, now the phone is clear and free. If anybody else would like to give a call in, we can take it to 800-596-8191, 800-596-8191, or 541-826-9159, 541-826-9159, for unlimited call uh, minutes, repeat callers with unlimited minutes or international callers. Now, I know I've been off the air for eight weeks. And haven't been live. You've been listening to repeat shows. And I know I've been hammering and hammering and hammering on buying an AK over an AR-15. All right. Every once in a while, I step back and I take a look and I go, okay. So let's say you got an AR-15. As long as you understand its weaknesses you've already got it, you're already committed to it, and you've got accessories and weapons, then live with it. Be sure you get plenty of good quality ammunition and good quality magazines. Make sure you've got the ability to clean it. But if you're going to start out from scratch and you're bound and determined to have an AR-style rifle, I would implore you to take a look at the SIG 5.56. It cosmetically looks everything like an M4 or an M16, AR-15, but it uses a gas piston system and a slightly different bolt. So you are eliminating the one major drawback of AR-15s. As far as a lightweight compact weapon, I had a friend. They're not really AR-15 guys, but they came across a very unique item. And a couple of hundred bucks for the briefcase and the kit. And it takes an M4 put together, top and the bottom stuck together, not, not, 
stock depends part with the stock on it. And it takes a regular barrel, but it has its own modified delta ring and handguard that's threaded to fit the screw-on part of your upper receiver. And this whole thing fits in the briefcase, disassembled. Barrel off and the handguard off. I watched my friend, and he's not that particularly fast, but he's not slow either. And without doing any pre-warm-up or practice, he just opened it up, took it out, and in 15 seconds, had that rifle together. Now, if you're somewhere, a motel in a strange town, and you've got your handguns, but you know your handgun, basically, in a life-threatening circumstance, your handgun is there for long enough for you to make it to a rifle. And a perfectly clean, well-done, assembled, ready-to-go AR-15 would be better than no rifle at all. And so one of those little briefcase AR-15s, just for you know those of you who travel a lot and can't necessarily haul in a full-size or something else. Now, the other thing I want you to take into consideration, as long as their laws are the way they are, and they're willing to, quote-unquote, allow us to legally own things, you might want to consider buying one of the Romanian AK pistols and then filing your form for a short-barreled rifle with the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. And then you can mount the stock, a folding stock, to the pistol. Then it becomes what's called an SBR, short-barreled rifle. That's legal. As long as you have the tax stamp, you paid the $200 to do that. That, the new Romanian pistols that are coming in, and, and they're temporarily out of them again, but there's more of them coming. There's more. The supply line is even thicker. They really ordered heavy this time. <coughs> they have the 11-and-a-half-inch barrel, and it's called a pistol. They also have a 7-and-a-half-inch barrel. Now, you get the 7-and-a-half-inch barrel. Now, you put yourself one of those, you know, get an SBR and put a stock on it. You've got an awesome little teeny firearm for taking on trips with you. Those of you that ride motorcycle and you want a, a, the idea of a rifle, either that AR-15 in the briefcase or a little uh, Romanian AK with a folding stock on it, fit perfectly in the back on the on the back of your bike, and you wouldn't be, you know, with this big long rifle case causing panic and causing the cops to get all, you know, paranoid. And you would be, you know, getting back to cops for a second, something I wanted to talk about. Uh, the, you, you look at the police, the chiefs of police, and the chief of police organizations are always opposed to concealed carry for the citizens. They're always opposed to guns, blah, 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 blah. But yet they tell you the rank-and-file police officers want citizens to have guns. Yet, when they're out there working the street, if you're just a normal, decent guy and you've got a gun to protect yourself, they want to make you a criminal and take it away from you. And what I'm about to say isn't intended to be racist, but people need to hear it in the in this vein and the spirit. And there are a lot of decent folk who are black and Hispanic and Asian, and this is not at you at all. But they have enough low-life minorities that commit enough crimes with guns they don't have enough white boys that, quote-unquote, violate their gun laws. And so they keep that uniform crime report from the FBI. It's filed every 18 months. 
I used to, when I was a police officer, I, my job in my department was to collect the statistics and forward them through to the, to the state headquarters and, and get them, uh, and then they would forward them on to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And if you participated in that, which about 80% of the police departments do, they would send you that copy of the FBI Uniform Crime Report, and it goes into detail. It tells you how many blacks with what kind of gun did what kind of crime, how many Mexicans, Hispanics, how many Asians, and how many whites. Well, gun crimes with whites was very few. And let me tell you, if they get a chance to tag you with a felony or a misdemeanor and take your gun, they're going to do it because that boosts their statistics, and their bosses want that. And now if you're a decent person, I don't care what your race is, Hispanic, black, they'll take you too. I mean, they're, they're, they're equal opportunity, but they really want to boost their statistics against the white folks because they just don't have enough on their crime report to justify what they're trying to do. And for those of you who haven't been listening and haven't heard, there's an operation called Operation Gunrunner Fast and Furious. Within FAST, you can spell out ATF. That's why they chose it. started out of the Phoenix office of the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. It's also been expanded to the Tampa office of the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. The woman who's in charge there now was the assistant in Phoenix. And what they were doing is they were authorizing and ordering gun shops along the border to unlawfully sell straw purchase and multi-purchase. One guy actually went into one store and bought 10 AR-15s paid cash with obvious false credentials. And the guy called and said, do you really want me to sell this guy these guns? Yeah, let him go, let him have them. The ATF would then turn around and use that guy's purchase of guns and turn them over to the DEA and the FBI, and then they would smuggle them into Mexico and put them in the hands of the drug cartels. Now, this Border Patrol agent that was killed here a few months ago, he was killed with one of those AR-15s. Another Border Patrol agent was shot with one of those AR-15s, and the rancher down along the border who was just murdered here recently was killed with one of those rifles. And over 3,000 to anywhere between 30,000 Mexican folks have been killed with those weapons. And there's anywhere between three and 5,000 that have been smuggled in. Now, the Tampa offices are smuggling them into Honduras and sending them up through the bottom of Mexico. Their whole gig was to try and show all the American guns that were being illegally bought at gun shows and gun shops being smuggled into Mexico. So there was no problem. They couldn't prove it. There wasn't enough guns. It, it didn't happen like they said it was happening. So they were trying to build up. Now, Eric Holder, the attorney general, knows about this. And the head of the ATF, they told him to go talk to them, and we'll send an attorney with you, and don't answer too many questions. Well, he's the temporary acting director of the ATF, and he smelled a rat. He'd actually blown the whistle on this operation. He said, this isn't right. We've got to stop doing this. For once, there was a couple of good ATF agents, believe it or not, and they actually didn't want to be doing this. They said, this is wrong. This is everything we fought, tried not to do. Why are we doing this? So he went before Congress, and he took his own lawyer. He usurped Holder, went around his back. Said, didn't go on the day that they thought he was going to go. He went a day early and took his own attorney. Now, he presented evidence, and he said, and yes, Obama was informed of this, and he was given a briefing, and there is film of him receiving the briefing. 
Yet Obama and Holder said they don't know anything about this. Now, if sperm on a blue dress gets a man impeached, although not convicted, because Bill Clinton was impeached at a trial, just was found not guilty, do you not think the unlawful and illegal sale of at least 3,000 firearms and the death of three U.S. citizens and the death of three to 30,000 Mexican citizens? So what I need you all to do is call your congressman. And don't just refer to it as Fast and Furious because everybody says, oh, that's the movies. No, ATF's Operation Gunrunner, Fast and Furious, out of the Phoenix office. You want to see in a full-on investigation, special investigator. As I'm telling you, folks, this can bring Obama down. He's already lied about any knowledge about it. Holder has actually lied under oath to Congress. He can be put in prison for what he has done. And this head of the ATF is willing to testify against him. We can win. They are busy, busy, busy trying to use this to shut the ability to purchase guns at gun shows or by private parties. And we need, to, we need to take it out of their hands because this needs to become even more. There is a senator and a congressman who are trying very diligently to put, get this through on the floor of the House and the Senate. So they need help. They need as many of us to call as many of our senators and congressmen and complain and write letters and call and call and call and get the information out, get it, get demand, call your local media. Fox News is on top of it. Fox News is talking about it. The NBC and the C, the BS, and the anti-American broadcasting company are not. And you need to contact them at your local station and say, why not? I want to hear about this. Tell me what the story is. I want to know. Call your local papers. Tell your neighbors. Tell your friends. Explain to them what's going on. Tell them they're lying, trying to steal their guns. You know, go to a gun show. Set up a, set up a table. Make some copies of the information off the Internet. Start spreading this information out. We can get these people with this alone. This is a major critical event. All right, we've talked about guns tonight a little bit. We didn't talk as much about raw survival, but we have talked about surviving law enforcement encounters. We'll get into that even more. I've told you the bad story about cops. Now I'm going to next time, I'm going to teach you how to actually handle them in a traffic stop. That is survival. It's day-to-day -day survival. Because if you can't survive the traffic stop to go get your family and leave town, how did you take care of them? All right, beans, rice, and bullets. And I am Richard McGregor, and this is Survival Time. And uh, God bless you all, and uh, glad to be back. The interest is up, and the stock market down, and you're only getting mugged if you go downtown. I live back in the woods, you see. A woman and the kids and the dogs and me I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive And a country boy can survive Country folks can survive 
I can plow a field all day long. I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn. We make our own whiskey and our own smoke too. Ain't too many things these old boys can't do. And homemade wine And country boy can survive Country folks can survive Because you can't stop a doubt And you can't make a run Those women more boys raised on shotguns We say grace We say ma'am If you ain't into that We don't give a damn shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU-band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. Yep, American Voice Radio Network now in its, I think, 11th or 12th year of 24-7 broadcasting on satellite and Internet. And, uh, you know, I don't count the FMs out there as us doing that because that's actually the independent micro-broadcasters that are responsible for that. And, uh, you know, whatever support you can lend to your local independent micro-broadcaster, you should. Because before too long, and I know a lot of these broadcasters... Whatever they play, whatever they rebroadcast or simulcast, they save. And a lot of them have pretty extensive libraries. And there's going to come a time, folks, when if you want to hear anything, you're going to have to hear it from them. Because, uh, you know, and that is, of course, provided that they have backup electricity, and that you have an FM radio that will work without the power grid working, you know, and all that. But, you know, people believe that, well, you know, there'll always be shortwave. You don't understand the commercial shortwave system, do you? Because, you know, it's no different than the Internet. Actually, it is a little different than the Internet, as it is regulated by the... uh, FCC, meaning last time there was a big emergency called 9-11, the FCC went in and took some shortwave frequencies, said, oh, we need these, we need these, it's an emergency, you can't use them anymore. And that means, now what does that mean? Here you are on shortwave, you know the frequencies where your stuff that you like to listen to is located at, and then all of a sudden one day they're not there anymore. That doesn't mean they're not on the air anymore. They are on the air because the FCC said, oh, well, you can use these other frequencies, but not these. We need these because it's an emergency. Now, they never used those frequencies. They just took them so the commercial shortwave people could not use them. Why would they do that? Why do you think that? Can you see the purpose in that? I can. Because what happens is, let's just say, you've got a thousand listeners on shortwave. They tune in every day and there you are. And then one day they all tune in and you're not there. But you are on another frequency how many of them are going to scan the dial looking for you? And how many of them and how long is it going to take for them to find you? It was the FCC's way of squashing alternative information. This is how they operate. Now, do you really want them controlling the Internet? Well, they want to. This is their plan. This is the kill switch. Now, under what circumstances could a reasonable individual in the United States 
actually perceive of a good time to kill the Internet. Flip the switch, kill the Internet, shut it all off. Why would you need to do that? You'd only need to do that if there was information that you wouldn't want people to have. Oh, we're having a big cyber attack and we have to shut it down or our critical systems will be destroyed. That's BS because they're not going to shut down the Internet for their critical systems because their critical systems would explode. They're so dependent on the Internet, meaning the power grid, folks. It's all connected and regulated and and. and what do you call it, Uh, the flow is all determined by the Internet. This is how they communicate. This is how they know, oh, this plant has to produce more, this one has to produce less. This is how they do it all. They communicate through the Internet. So, oh, we're being attacked, so we're going to shut it down. Oh, we're going to shut it down? Really? Oh, good. So our nuclear power plants can explode and, uh, you know, our power grid can fry out and all that good stuff can happen because, ooh, we're under threat. we got to shut it off. It's a lie. They're not going to shut it off. They're just going to shut off your use to it. Why? Because they want to protect you from the bad guys jumping through your computer to kill you? No, because that's a lie, too. They want to shut off the information. They don't want you to know what's going on, except through their channels. That's the plan. Don't fall for any other nonsense. There's never a good reason in a free society to shut down the free flow of information. Regardless of what it is. You know what? I don't like Blackwater, I mean ISIS, okay? But I don't feel the need to shut down their websites. You know what? If ISIS wants to get on the Internet and try recruiting dimwits, well, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, this is a wheat and tear sort of thing. Oh, you want to go join ISIS? I think you should. I think you should do it right now. I don't want to shut down their internet site for doing that. Let's go, go, go. Yeah, recruit away, man. Come on. Just like anything. What do I care? The the Nazi party. Well, hey, okay, fine. Have a website. What do I care? Go ahead. People want to be a Nazi. Fine, be a Nazi. But you see, because it's in a free society... Balanced. While there can be Nazi sites and ISIS sites and Al Qaeda sites and U.S. government sites, there can also be other websites presenting you with the balance to their lies, which would be the truth. Saying, huh, ISIS is a front Blackwater operation run by the U.S. government. Al Qaeda, I mean Al Qaeda, same thing. Everything the government says is a lie, that goes without saying, on and on. You have a balance. You leave it to the people. Informed consent. Oh, wait a minute. That's like the basis of a free society. Consent. 
But folks, if you're not informed, if you are ignorant, you cannot consent. Do you know why? Because you're incompetent. They don't let incompetent people decide anything or consent to anything. You're a ward of the state. You don't get to decide anything because you're too stupid to decide anything. We got to help you. We got to take care of you. We got to put you in that nice little white jacket in the nice little padded room because you're a danger to yourself and others because you're too stupid. This is what they're trying to do because you see, if the population is incompetent, there can be no consent. And therefore, well, we have to do something. We have to. We're, we're the government. We're here to help because if we don't, society will crash and burn. And Oh, wow. Gee, how would everybody get stupid? Well, the government made them stupid. Don't ever think that anybody in government is there to help you. They're not. And I don't care if they're the clerk. I've told this story before. I told a friend of mine, I said, look, every time you go down in that county building, every single individual in that place is your enemy. And he's like, oh, come on now. I think you're being a little overboard. I mean, I realize the judges and the lawyers and the, you know, the guys, the elected officials, yeah, they're my enemy. I, I get that. But ah, the clerk behind the desk, ah, come on, you're, you're telling me every last one of them in there is out to get me? Come on, you're getting a little paranoid, Frank. And I said, yeah, okay, well, you wait. You'll see. Took about, I don't know, about two and a half, three years. <laughs> Two and a half, three years of going in that building, he finally admitted, you know, you were right. Every last one of them in there is my enemy. They all, they're all working against me. Do you know why? Now, am I saying that every clerk and jerk in this building is waking up in the morning going, okay, <laughs> what evil deed can I do to screw the American people over today? <laughs> no, no, that's their bosses doing that. They don't wake up thinking anything except, all right, where's my coffee? Uh, where's my car keys? I got to get to my stinking job that I don't really like. At least it pays good and, there's, you know, the hours are good. So off they go. But once they get there, they see what's going on. They have to realize they are, they're, uh, what would you call it? Mm, I was going to say industry, but that implies that they're actually producing anything, and they don't, our organization, but uh, anyway, they're, the place they work, their institution, is screwing everybody, and they have to see this and realize it after a while, and then they cover for each other, because we're a team, we're a team. It's us against them. And we're a team. I love my coworkers, and I want a friendly, happy place to work. And that won't happen if I start turning in my employees for breaking the law and screwing the people that come in here. So I'm going to cover for them. I'm going to lie for them. And you know what, folks? People who cover and lie for criminals that are abusing you are your enemy. Okay? Regardless of it, they wake up in the morning thinking of new and exciting ways to screw you over. It doesn't matter. 
Keep this in mind. He realized it after a few years that, gosh, you're right. Because he had the belief, well, these are nice people. They, they're not, they don't have any agenda. They're just doing their job. Yeah, yeah. They're just doing their job. But somewhere along the line, they realized their job is to screw you over. They realized their coworkers and bosses aren't doing right. But they didn't say anything. Somewhere along the line, after not saying anything long enough, they started covering for them. Sorry, I consider somebody covering for a criminal, screwing me over as part of being my enemy. And you should too, folks. All right. And somebody somebody in the... uh, in the uh, chat room says, I'm the one paying them. Well, that's what you think. Really, that, that's what you think, that you're the one paying them, but you're not the one paying them. Oh, maybe back in the day before, you know, fiat currency, you were the one paying them, but you're not paying them anymore. Do you know not one dollar, not one tax dollar goes to fund any program in the federal government? Not one thing. It all gets flushed down the toilet. It all goes into a big burn bin. You know why? Because they've got to take currency, well, a digital, you know, uh, paper, whatever it is, they have to take currency out of circulation. You know why? Because they're constantly pumping currency into circulation. What happens if you've got a balloon and you do nothing but keep pumping air into it? Day in and day out, just pump, pump, pump away. Well, it explodes, and now your balloon is broken. Well, but what, are, what if on the other end you got a little valve, and as you keep putting it in there, you, you let air out. Now the thing ain't going to explode, at least not as soon. <laughs> That's the whole taxation system. It doesn't pay for a thing. It's a release valve for the currency uh, flow. Now, where do they get paid? Well, where's the money actually come from? It gets borrowed into existence from the central bankers who spin it out of thin air because, well, hey, you asked for it? Here it is. You owe me now. You owe me now. Hmm. You owe me like $500 trillion. Wow, that's a pretty big favor, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, isn't that how it goes? You know, somebody says, uh, Okay, I can lend you this $100. But you know, someday, somewhere, sometime, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask you for a favor. And you're going to give me that favor. Yeah, well, you think that's just on TV, and you think it's just the Italian mob that works that way, and it's not. That's the way it goes. Now, if you owe somebody a favor, if they lend you a hundred or a thousand bucks, huh? What kind of a favor do you owe somebody who lent you five hundred trillion dollars? Hmm. Yeah, big favor, and lots of them. 
That's the game we've got going on here because that's what the bankers want. Why do you, why do you think they're lending all this money? Why do you think they do that just to, for kicks? Because, well, I'm a banker. That's what I do. I lend money. I got to. No, they do it because they got favors coming. They're buying favors. They're buying influence. Nobody piles away money for nothing. Because, see, that would be charity. And in this world, charity is just about dead. I'm serious, folks. Now, there's something that might disturb you. It disturbs me because it shows you just how black your heart is. Charity is to give somebody something for no other reason other than they need it. No other reason. Not your self-gratification, not you pleasing God, not you doing anything for you at all. Only because they need it. Now, I hear people, you know, and I I think it's nice that, you know, look, just because it's not charity doesn't mean it's not nice. It can be nice, it's just not charity. For instance, so you walk up to a homeless guy, man, you know, you can see he's pretty down and out, so you hand him five bucks, he grabs it and walks away, doesn't say a word. You turn away and go, boy, what an ingrate. Didn't even say thank you. Oh, you mean you expected something in return? Did you? That's not charity anymore. Yeah. That's how black our hearts are. And that's how deceived we are. Because that person's going to walk away bitter at the homeless guy. They didn't even say thank you. Thinking they were charitable. Yeah, No, you might have done a nice thing. And the guy, I'm sure, is glad to have the five bucks. But it doesn't make it charity. And the bankers, I can guarantee you, aren't doing any charitable acts lending money to anybody. They expect payment back. Now, do you really think if I'm a counterfeiter and I can print all the money I want, that I really am concerned with you paying me back all that money that I lent you, that I spun out of thin air, that I can keep spinning out of thin air till the sun explodes? Do you really think, oh, I'm really concerned with getting that money back from you? No, they're not concerned with that. Well, how am I, you know, why would they be? Would you be, really, if you were a counterfeiter who could spin money out of thin air from now on as to whatever amount you wanted? Would you really care? Would you rather have your worthless money spun out of thin air that you're just going to burn in a pile anyway because you're spinning more out of thin air every second? Or would you rather have them owe you a favor. That's how things are working. Whether we like it or not, that's the system we're in. And you know, the first the first step in doing something about a problem is to identify the problem properly. Because if you don't know what the problem is, if you don't know what's going on, there's absolutely no way You can fix it. I mean, does I think everybody would agree with that, that if you 
if you can't identify the problem, you don't understand the problem, there's no way you can fix it. How could you? And that's what's going on. America, everybody, well, okay, again, don't want to say everybody, but I'd say the majority of Americans understand there's something there's something wrong okay there's something wrong something wrong in this something wrong man there's just something wrong the majority understands that but they have no clue what because it seems like everywhere they look there's something wrong and they're right but every one of those things you can tie back to the monetary system I'm serious, and it's not because it's a fiat currency system. Because if this fiat currency system would have been run honestly and responsibly, it would have worked fine. It would have worked as well as any other currency system. We could have even benefited from it. Meaning, the majority of people could have benefited from it. But you see, it wasn't run honestly. It wasn't run responsibly. Greed came into it. Or, we could call it the love of money came into it. And that is the root of all evil. Now, this is what I'm saying, folks. You can look around... And you can say, well, everywhere I look, I'm overwhelmed. We got problems here. We got problems there. We got problems everywhere, man. How could you possibly, you know, fix anything? And this is what happens. People get paralyzed by the enormity of the problems. It's just like, let's just say, and I've had this happen to myself. As a matter of fact, I have it happening to me right now. And I have to, I have to pull myself together. I've got probably 10 things I need to do around here. And they're they're not minimal. They're big. They're pretty big things. And when I look at all 10 of them going, oh, man, i got all these things to do, I get overwhelmed and disappointed and figure I'm never going to be able to get all this done, and then I don't do anything. Okay? I don't know where to start. There's so much. I know this happens to me, and I know this is what's happening to the rest of America with what's going on. There's so much going on. Nobody knows where to start. They're disappointed, so they start nowhere. They do nothing, because what can I do anyway? Well, what you've got to do, what I have to do, is I have to pick a project and say, okay, I need to do this. Okay, this. I only have to worry about this one thing. Okay, now I know where to start. Okay, so when I do this, I need to start here. So I start there, and I just do it till it's done. And when it's done, I pick the next thing. You know, I I mean, it sounds crazy, but something that works for me is every day... I think, well, I need to get one thing done. 
And even that is difficult if you don't focus on one project because you get disillusioned because you do this for a week or two and you really don't see anything getting done because you've been putting yourself a little of this, a little of that, a little over here, a little over there. And in the big picture, yeah, you're getting something done every day, but you're really not getting anything completely done ever. You've got to get on one thing. And the one thing in this country that is the major problem is the monetary system. And again, it's not the system itself. Because, folks, pretty much any system will work. I mean, a monarchy, communism, a republic, democracy, any system, fiat currency, gold and silver, any system will work. Until you add people to it. Because people are greedy, black-hearted sinners. And they live to screw over their neighbors. You might not think so, and I know a lot of New Agers out there go, That's not true. People are basically good. No, people are not basically good. Sorry. Better start showing me some evidence because I got a world full of evidence to prove my point. Anyway, I've got an IM here before we go to break that up. The 12th year of ABR 24-7 satellite internet radio network started on February of this year, February uh, 2015. So there you have it. We're in our 12th year. And now, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a bit. If you like to guess on the songs, you can, because usually I hold off for, for evenings and just play whatever during the day, but I'm not here on Friday nights. Although, I guess, at 8 p.m. when I replay this, you could still guess. Here it comes. That's all right. 
have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is May 29th, 2015. It's Friday. Uh, it's about 2.43 out here on the Pacific Time Coast, if that's all true where you're at. You can call in. I know I didn't mention any of this at the beginning, but now I am. 800-932-1980 is the call-in. The website's theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You look for the chat uh, link. You can go in there. You can ask questions. You can make comments. You can just chat with the other folks and uh, whatever you want in there. It's open 24-7. Then, you know what? There's usually, at all odd hours of the day and night, there's usually somebody in the chat room. It's kind of kind of cool. Uh, it's like a suicide hotline sort of thing. You know, there's always somebody there. 
to encourage you along. Anyway, you can also talk to me on Yahoo Instant Messenger. AVRN Talk is the screen name there. All right, let's get back. Oh, hey, the songs, nobody guessed in the chat room. I guess that means they don't know. Uh, the first song was That's All Right. Now, that song's been covered by many bands, all right? But this is Arthur Big Boy Crudup, one of the originals. And uh, then the second one is All Set for the Weekend was the name of the song. And I played this quite a bit on Fridays. And it's uh, by the Baboons. They're a kind of rockabilly band, by the way. Anywho. All right. Enough ranting about the uh, the monetary system, but I'm telling you, folks, that's you want somewhere to start. You want to understand the problem. It starts with that, and it's not just because it's a fiat currency system. Now, the ad that you hear for gold and silver says that every fiat currency system has failed, and it has. And you know why? Hello, greed, criminality. Folks, it's just too much of a temptation for man to be allowed to print as much money as he wants out of thin air for whatever he wants. Okay? I'm sorry. You think you're a good person? I think I'm a good person. Well, actually, I know I'm not. Okay? And neither are you. But, hey, the thing is, you might think you're an honest person. I think I'm an honest person. Uh, But you know what? It would be, and I'm sure I could do it at first. But after a while of being allowed to print as much money as I want, out of thin air, you know, I could imagine myself doing things that I could be ashamed of. And I'm sure you could too. Anyway, how about an unprecedented mass die-off? In the Pacific Ocean. It says uh, here it's turning the ocean into a desert off the California coast. Now, I'm not going to read this whole thing because, I don't know, environmentalists seem to like to rattle on and on and on and on and on and on. Bottom line is, uh, all the things. Now, and, and here is the tip-off. The seals, the uh, the birds... The animals that we see are starving. Why? Because the tiny little things in the ocean that they eat are all dying. Folks, this is like the canary in the coal mine sort of theory, which isn't really a theory. It's a fact. Why did they take canaries into the coal mine to see if the air was okay? Because canaries have smaller lungs and poisons affect them faster and harder than they do man because man is bigger and, you know, all that. So you take a canary with you in a coal mine, canary drops dead on you. It's time to get out of the coal mine because, you know what? You're next. You're not choking yet, but the canary's dead. You know that air is no good and will eventually kill you. The ocean is killing the plankton. 
Now, I say the ocean's killing the plankton, but it's not the ocean killing the plankton. It's the poisons that we put in the ocean that are killing the plankton. Well, these other animals eat plankton. They're not going to get an opportunity to die from poisoning. They're all going to starve to death. And folks, they're doing the same thing to you and me. Everybody talks about, well, they're going to nuke us, they're going to they're going to kill us, they're going to come and do this, they're going to... Yeah, you know what? They don't have to, man. They're already poisoning the food supply. Here before too long, we're all going to starve. These people are complete, absolute psychopaths. They want to depopulate this world, and they want to do it in a way that they can live through it. Nuking everybody isn't that way. But creating a situation where everybody kills each other and starves to death, well, hey, boy, now there's a plan, huh? Bill Gates has said just as much with vaccines. Hey, we can we can depopulate the earth with vaccines. We make vaccines mandatory. We start putting uh sterilization drugs in the in the uh, vaccines as they already are people and there hey you're not going to be able to have any kids and all we got to do is get rid of you which will starve you be the end of that yeah oh boy happy days eh yeah well now here's something that i know you're going to say, well, those darn commies, that could never happen here. This is America. We're Americans. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Maybe one day somewhere we were, but not anymore. Venezuelans have begun to feel as if the cash they carry in their wallets is as valuable as Monopoly money. The local currency, the Bolivar, uh, Bolivar tumbled even further this week falling through the threshold of 400 bolivars per dollar, which is double as low as the value of the so-called marginal system. That threshold had been established three months ago by the government in an effort to stop the unstoppable rise of the dollar on the black market. On Thursday, the greenback rose 40 bolivars in a single day and has climbed nearly 130 in a month. In the crazy Venezuelan, uh, Venezuelan exchange rate system, which keeps track of changes since February 2003, two elements calculate every dollar in exchange for 6.3 bolivars, a rate that is reserved for the importation of basic foodstuffs, and 12 bolivars per dollar for others lower priority items. Meanwhile, now now you get what's going on here? See, if the government wants to buy food from whoever, the United States, they have to pay six dollars and thirty bolivars for every dollar worth of food they buy. Right? And say they want televisions. Well, they have to give 12 bolivars for every dollar. Well, wait a minute. Uh, 
on the uh, black market, you could get 400 bolivars per dollar. Hmm. Anyway, meanwhile, the dollar that circulates in the black market, which is the mar uh, marker of the replacement cost of items that are not regulated by the government, is followed by Venezuelans over the Internet. In an effort to hide the real value of the dollar with respect to the Bolivar, the National Telecommunications Commission has blocked some Internet domains. See, folks, this is, this, this is why governments want to control the Internet. They don't want you to know how badly they have screwed things up. Because if you find out, you may just go to where they are and kill them all. And this is what they don't want. And they want to keep you stupid and uninformed. And that way you wonder, what? I wonder what's going on. I wonder why I can't eat. Why is my stomach Why does my tummy hurt? Oh, yeah, that's right. I have to eat. Here you go. The president of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro, has accused bloggers and other Venezuelans who published the real value of the currencies as inciters of an economic war who seek to distort the rigid price controls established. Those dirty, rotten truth-tellers, they're screwing everything up. Man. You know, they, but... I only bring this to you not to incite hatred towards Venezuela, because who really cares about Venezuela? The fact of the matter is, take a look at what's going on there and get ready, because it's coming this way. It's the canary in the coal mine. Venezuela's economy is not the United States, but they're dying. They're dying from fiat currency corruption. We're in the same coal mine, folks. And we're not going to get out. We're not getting out. They're not gonna, they, they have no, no intention of getting out. The only thing there, what they're going to try to sell to you, folks, they're going to tell you, well, it's cash. Cash is the problem. Cash is the whole thing. Cash is what's bringing the whole thing down. What we need to do is go cashless. Why? Because, see, that way you have absolutely no control over any money. It's all in the bank. It's all controlled by them. And, oh, guess what? Just like those dirty, rotten bloggers telling the truth, if they don't like the cut of your jib, flip goes your account. You have no access to nothing. Well, that's their plan. The only thing they're not counting on is, oh, when you flip off my ability to eat, I'm coming to your house to get food. Yeah, and I won't be happy when I get there. And I'm not going to feel like sharing your food with you anymore, either. And I'm not talking about my neighbors. You see, folks, that's what they're counting on. They're counting on you being a bunch of idiots and saying, Oh, my account! i got to go rob my neighbor! No! you got to go find out where the rulers live. Yeah, the rulers are your little area. The county commissioners, all the planning people, all those government employees, find out where they live. And go make them share. You know, it's not your neighbor. You, you need, look, 
We have a problem in this country, and the problem is with identifying things. Because we're, we're, we're at a magic show, okay? And we keep looking at the big boob chick in the uh, bikini and not watching the magician, okay? And that's just the way they want it, because we are not identifying what's going on. We're not identifying the problem. We're not identifying our enemies, Okay, we're running around with our heads spinning around, uh, attacking our neighbor when we get a chance. I.e., Ferguson, Baltimore, whatever. Let's burn the place down. Let's burn our own neighborhood down. Yeah, there you go. I'm unhappy. I want things. And the best way to do that is to burn my own neighborhood down. I believe Baltimore and Ferguson and places like that are just test tests. You know, they're trying to see how stupid you really are. Are you really going to fall for this? If we give you the right stimuli, will you attack your neighbor? Well, Baltimore and Ferguson says, yeah, you will. And I know some of you out there are going, well, it's just them black folk down there. That white people wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, white people wouldn't do that. Talk to some liberals, okay? Talk to some environmentalists. Talk to some homos. Yeah, white ones. And I'm telling you, they would. They'll do it in a heartbeat. They're already selling you down the river. What are you talking about? White people wouldn't do that. White people are already doing that. Who do you think sold you out? You see a lot of minorities in the United States Congress, do you? Old white men sold you out. You see a lot of minorities running all the multinational corporations in America? Yeah, me either. They sold you out. So don't tell me it's just them black folk or it's just them Mexicans. No, no, it ain't. Well, anyway, I'm out of time for today. And, you know, this country's running out of time, and so are you folks. So I sure hope that you are considering preparing. You know, because all things all things pass. And if you don't have to panic, and if you don't have to be desperate, you can usually do a lot better through any kind of an emergency. And that means preparation. And not just stuff. you got to get your head right, too. Anyway, and you know what? I'll leave you with this. Without Jesus Christ and salvation, what's the point of surviving anyway? Think about that. Anyway, I'll see you Monday. As always, thanks for listening. Anyway.
there was just enough room to cram the drums in the corner over by the dodge. It was a 54 with a mashed-up door and a cheesy little lamp. With a sign on the front that said, the champ and a second-hand guitar. It was a Stratocaster with a whammy bar. We could jam in Joe's garage. Mama was screaming, turn it down. We were playing the same old song. In the afternoon, and sometimes we were playing all night long. It was all we knew. Colossal misunderstanding about time is the assumption that insight will work with people who are unmotivated to change. Communication does not depend on syntax or eloquence or rhetoric or articulation, but on the emotional context in which the message is being heard. People can only hear you when they are moving towards you, and they are not likely to when your words are pursuing them. Even the choicest of words lose their power when they are used to overpower. Attitudes are the real figures of speech. And this week's opening quote comes from Edwin H. Freeman. Welcome to Surviving the Matrix, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Maxwell Egan. It's a pleasure to be with you once again, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Well, folks, interesting times in the world today. As I've been saying recently, we are quite literally walking on a knife edge at the moment. I have been pointing this out to you for quite a while, and I have been saying that 2015 is going to be a year to look out for because they're going to be rolling a lot of stuff out in 2015, and we've seen that they are doing precisely that. And if the truth be told, folks, it would appear that the end game has now begun in earnest. Much of what is happening in the United States seems to be in preparation for something that is right around the corner. And we've been expecting this for a long time. It's just that most people have been viewing all of the information that we've been bringing to the world, myself and other researchers and radio hosts have been bringing to the world. Most people have been viewing it as simply some type of spy novel and the very interesting and fascinating secret story about the hidden mechanism and the hidden hand and the terrible psychopathic global elite and their nefarious plans. It's like some sort of a movie that people believe they're watching or something. They haven't seemed to have realized that they are actually participating in this movie and that we have had every opportunity to rewrite the script ourselves if we would only choose to participate, stand up, be counted, and get involved in the global situation. The problem, of course, has been that people have been trained to believe that they are simply little people who can't affect change, and they've been kind of trained to leave the workings of the system to the bigger people at the top who know what's going on, leave things in their hands, and they will work stuff out for you. But the reality is, folks, that there is a war going on, and it's been going on for a very long time. As I mentioned in my very first film, The Big Picture, in 2008, World War III has already started. And what World War III is, is a war that is being waged against the common people of the world by the global elite, those who control the financial systems and who control our governments. They have been carrying out 
a slow genocide against the people of all the countries of this earth for quite some time now. They're doing it not only with the wars that they're conducting in the Middle East and places like Ukraine, but there is a soft kill operation going on in all countries through food additives, fluoride, aerial spraying and vaccination programs. And because people are beginning to wake up to the control grid, now they are locking the control grid down and they're doing it in a very, very efficient way. And it fascinates me that people are simply standing by and watching all this happen around them. And they're constantly commenting on it, but nobody is really doing anything about it. Nobody's really rallying their communities. Nobody seems to be asking the right questions to the politicians. Nobody appears to be taking any type of positive action to circumvent the actions of these people. And that's a very concerning situation because they are really rolling things out this year, folks. And You've just got to look at the global situation and start connecting the dots. And the future that these people are attempting to create becomes very, very apparent. And I'd like to connect a few of those dots for you today, actually. And I don't want to be fear-mongering with any of this, but I think it's important to pay attention to some of the key issues that are happening around us in our communities at the moment. And when looking at these issues, not to just view them as local issues but to put them on a global stage and see where they fit in with everything else. And we know what the plans of these people are. We've been talking about it for years. So let's just step back and look at what's unfolding before us, shall we? And folks, when looking at these issues, it's important to understand the mentality of these people, to understand the mentality of the global elite, and to look at what your motivations are and what you do in addressing the situation as well. I mean, I can't stress this enough. It's important to understand who we're dealing with. And it's very important for people to maintain their focus on their own inner state, you know, the, the motivation in their actions, you know, what their intentions are in what they're doing, why they are speaking out against this system. And look, in looking at the global elite, a lot of people have said to me, look, you've just got to send love to these people and we need to heal these people and, and help them see the world from a more humane or human perspective. And sure, look, I can understand that mentality. I can understand that line of thought. And when I talk about these people and I speak out against these people, I don't do it out of hatred for them. I love them the way I love all living creatures, but I'm not going to bother trying to send these people positive energy because they're simply not susceptible to it. And I'm never going to change their mind. I'm never going to change their way of thinking because I can understand what they are and who they are. And like I said, folks, I don't do anything I do out of hatred. I do it because of my positive intention for the future of mankind. I do what I do out of love for all mankind and my disgust at the actions of these people. Well, not even disgust. I don't know if that's even the right word. Really, it's my absolute horror at what I see being perpetrated against the innocent souls on this planet. That's why I do what I do. I do what I do because I can see a better future if mankind would simply step back and take stock of themselves a little bit. But I view these people as what they are, folks, and so I can understand why people would, would say, well, perhaps we just have to send loving energy to these people. But you've got to understand these people are psychopaths, folks. They don't have any empathy. And because you're dealing with people who have no empathy, it's very difficult to even judge what these people are doing as evil. It's what we perceive evil to be. But really, it's simply psychopathy. 
And yes, yeah, sure, it's it's kind of evil what they're doing. It is evil actions, but they do so because they have no empathy. They don't view people as being part of the equation. If vast numbers of people die, it doesn't matter. It's just collateral damage to them. It's the way we would view a colony of ants or a herd of cattle or a flock of sheep. I mean, as a society, you know, ants mean nothing to us. And as for sheep and cattle, well, we breed these creatures and we harvest them and we eat them and we do so generally with no remorse. And sure, it's cruelty to do this from a realistic perspective, but from a social perspective, we do it unconsciously. We don't think about it. We don't view it as cruel. It's just an unconscious psychopathic action that people carry out completely without thought. And this is generally because we just don't have empathy for the animals that we're killing and harvesting and eating. We don't have empathy for them because we're trained to believe that these are just dumb animals. They're not of any consequence. They don't think the way we do. They have no memory and emotion the way we do. And so they're a lower species and they're just there for us. And people have been generally trained to believe this, whether it's true or not. We believe that because we have the power of speech, it makes us better than everything else. It doesn't make us better. It makes us exceptional because we are able to communicate things on a far more complex level than many animals are. And so as a species, we have generally been removed of any empathy for the animals, which is what allows us to do what we do to them. And this is all due to the training that we've had, the shutdown of our right brain. I mean, I could get into all sorts of esoteric reasons as to why this has occurred, but the fact is that this is generally how we are as a society in the way we view the animal kingdom. And all this is based on a lack of empathy, and that empathy has been removed from us due to the training that we've had. And it's the same for the elite. They have no thought or concern for the hardship that they cause other people. It's not part of the equation to them. It's all about managing the system and creating a totally left-brain structured reality that is mathematically and systemically perfect. They want a system that functions in a certain way because they value order. And people don't really come into the equation in this respect. And sure, there are psychopaths who operate within the highest levels of this system, and psychopaths do what psychopaths do. But at all of the other levels and all the tiers within the system, all of the people who operate within these tiers are trained to think this way. They're trained to view people as simply numbers on screens and collateral damage when they get hurt. Simply because these people have been trained at certain universities like Yale and Oxford and certain universities that are set up around the planet simply to educate these people in this manner of thinking. And so people very comfortably operate within the parameters of the psychopathic system, not because they are evil, but simply because they've been trained to think without empathy, at least in regard to any aspects of the business world. People may have empathy for their family members and for people that they know. They may love their dog, but when they go to the office and they start operating within that business structure, all empathy is removed from the equation and people simply become numbers on a screen. And it isn't about the people. It's about balancing the books and making the system more efficient because this is the way they've been trained to think and it's the way they've been trained to operate. And they simply know no other way of functioning within the business world. So it's important to understand this, folks. If you really want to do something about the system and combat the system and create a better future and work for something positive, you need to understand how the system works. And it's also important to understand that there have been many traps laid for us in regard to how we should address this situation. I mean, 
when we protest against this system, when we attempt to take action against it, very often we seek to do so from the wrong perspective in as much as we follow parameters that have been placed there for us to follow. We have protests, we have marches, we shake our fist at the system, we have people who stand up and talk and sprout violent rhetoric. But nothing really happens from all of these events. At the end of them, we all go home and the system remains where it is and it lulls us into this state of fear inside for many people where they sit at home carrying and they wait for something to happen. They start gathering ammo and guns and wait for the crunch to come down. But violent revolution will not achieve anything. It's not really the right approach to have because in violent revolution, who are you really directing your violence at? Who are you directing your anger at? Violent revolution breeds hatred. If the National Guard and the people who are out there performing the actions of the NSA are met with violence, then it creates anger and that leads to hatred. And you're fighting innocent people who are simply doing what they're doing because they've been trained to do so. And they're fighting you because you're fighting back. And so this cycle happens and we don't really get anywhere. And with all of this, I'm not saying don't defend yourself if people come to get you. I mean, hopefully it won't come to that. But if it does, well, yeah, you should defend yourself, absolutely. But I think we still have the means to circumvent that if we approach it in the right way. And that's why I tried to offer you that perspective earlier that I've just offered you of how the system is actually structured and how people operate within it. Because when you look at it that way, then who do you direct your anger at? Who, who is there to be angry with? Really, it's the system itself that is the problem. But there are mechanisms within the system that we can use to redress this situation now and circumvent the place we're heading to if we apply the right perspective to it. And if we approach it with the right intention, with an intention to heal this situation, and I think we do still have every opportunity to heal the situation if we can somehow find a way of uniting our community because there are legal mechanisms in place within their fiction that we can use against them if we choose to stand up and call things what they are. And because many of the people who function within the system are simply doing what they're trying to do, many of the people at the different tiers within the hierarchy Many of these people are not psychopaths. They're just operating within psychopathic parameters because they've been trained to operate from that perspective. The system is a psychopathic system. And when you work within that system, you're trained to view efficiency as success. And all efficiency does is consolidate the power of the system. And many people who work within this and who work to make the system more efficient do so simply because of their training, not because they're psychopaths. And I believe if these people are approached by an empowered community who stands up and speaks the truth eloquently and simply and plainly enough, then things will change. But even in saying that, it's important to understand that it needs to also be presented in the right manner much the way I alluded to in the opening quote. You've got to have the correct emotional content there as well, folks. That's why anger is so ineffective in dealing with this. Anger and violence and screaming out rhetoric is so ineffective in dealing with this situation. You've got to remain calm and simply speak truthfully and call things for what they are. And that is the solution, and it's the solution because it is so effective that if the community stood up and did this, it's not really arguable. 
We're not creating violence, we're not creating confrontation, we're simply standing up and saying things in the way they need to be said and we're not pulling any punches, we're just calling a spade a spade and saying things for what they are. Hey, if we're wrong, show us. But by your actions, it would appear that all of you in government are all in abusive office and you've been playing us like a fiddle and we've pretty well had enough and we want to create some healing for this human condition and that's what we're doing. Now, we still have the means to do that, folks, and that may sound all esoteric and airy-fairy and like it would never work, but really, if you can look within your heart, you'll see that it will. And really, that's the only way to avoid violent confrontation. Now, I think we've been given an opportunity to do that, and the problem with violent revolution is that it circumvents that. You know, even though it may get to the point where people are required to defend themselves with whatever they have to do so, I think we can still circumvent things from getting to that point by addressing things from the correct perspective because ultimately there are very, very few people at the top who are pulling the strings on all this. And it's important as well when looking at the situation, looking at what's going on at the top, a lot of people are saying, well, this is China and the West playing things off against each other. It's Islam playing itself off against Israel. At the top, folks, there is no left and right. There is no good and bad. At the top is the financial system which puppeteers the whole thing. And... These people do what they do to consolidate power, and they don't care which power system it is that works. They don't care if America runs the world or England runs the world or China or Russia or North Korea. They couldn't care who runs the world as long as the people who are running the world are being run by them. That's what it's all about. So you get the whole concept of this left and right paradigm, even in regard to countries. And get this out of your mind, because that's not what it's about. What it's about is consolidating the control grid and discarding those sections of humanity that they don't need anymore. They don't need the West anymore. They don't need the Western capitalist system to remain in place. The Western capitalist system has functioned just fine in creating massive global instability and consolidating the power of the elite. It's done so while the people of Western culture have been distracted with toys and trinkets and television and this false reality they've been trained to believe in. And by convincing these people that everything outside of that reality, everything that isn't like Western culture, is a threat to Western culture. And this training and programming has allowed the West to go out and decimate all of these other countries. But now they've got control of the place. Now they're putting their financial system everywhere. They're balkanizing all the Middle East. They're consolidating their power. They're setting up all the dominoes for greater Israel and they've used Western society to do it. And now they don't need Western society anymore so it's easy to just discard these people because hey, we don't need them. They were stupid enough to go along with it anyway so obviously they're just like the cattle and the sheep and they have no empathy for these people. And that's the problem that we face, folks. But as I said, there are many people who work within the system who do have empathy, who have just been trained to work within psychopathic parameters because they simply don't know what they're doing. They really seriously know not what they do. And so it's very difficult to hate these people. And I really believe that violent revolution and violence towards anybody ultimately comes from fear and only breeds hatred. It causes the opponents to hate each other and this is not healthy, and it doesn't achieve anything, and I don't think it's any way out. And I think if we simply stand up and speak the truth and call a spade a spade now, we're going to find that there are many people who work within the parameters of the system that are going to agree with us. And I think we could stand up and hold the criminals that are running this system accountable for their actions and put some transparency back into these systems and lead humanity to a very good place from this point. 
In fact, I think we've been given every opportunity to do so. I really do. You know, as I keep saying, we are quite literally walking a knife edge at the moment and we have the potential to make this one of the greatest times in human history. It is certainly one of the most important and most significant times in human history already. But we have an opportunity here to make it one of the greatest times in human history. The time when humanity chose freedom and created some real abundance and some real truth in the human situation. And we have another choice, and that is to ignore this opportunity, in which case the prison doors will come slamming shut. And reality from that point will be a very different one to the one we have the opportunity of now creating. And we have all the means to do it, folks. We have the people, we have the manpower, we have the knowledge. All we need is the intention and the motivation. And really, folks, when you step back and look at things realistically, I think that that is all the motivation that you need for positive action. You just have to choose to do it. Now, something that I was touching on before was the fact that violent revolution breeds hatred. And there are many aspects of the system that are also designed to breed hatred in people. You see, when you have a person that is working within psychopathic parameters, they are forced to behave in a sociopathic manner and discard people along the way because that's the way the system works and you attempt to combat some type of bureaucracy and you find the person behind the counter or on the other end of the telephone or behind the desk sitting there saying well look I'd like to help you but my hands are tied there's nothing I can do because it says here that these are the rules and again she's adhering to a paper-based reality and you're there left in a state of frustration there's this kind of emptiness in the soul that's generated because you're left in a state of anger and frustration because there's no one to actually direct your anger at and this turns into hatred for the person behind the counter or hatred for the system and it's designed in this way it's designed specifically to arouse these emotions in people hatred, anger, frustration and powerlessness to do anything against the bureaucracy because you're fighting a cloud. And that's the thing, folks. It's fiction. You're fighting something that is fiction. It doesn't exist, so you have nothing to direct your anger at. You're fighting a reality that's been created by words that have been written on a piece of paper, but it's not actually reality. It's just an idea that was written down on a piece of paper. And these sort of situations also create kind of a feedback loop in people. You know, if you are faced with bureaucracy, then you start getting angry with the person behind the counter. They sit there and they cross their arms and they start to feed off your anger. And the more angry you get, the more stubborn they get. So you get this incredibly negative emotional feedback loop happening between the two people. And all this is done by design, folks. And when you look at this, it's like the situation I was explaining before. When you're fighting with the National Guardsmen, you both begin hating each other simply because you're battling each other. It's the same when you're battling with someone behind the counter. You get this feedback loop happening and you both start to dislike each other. And the encounter starts turning into something hateful when it's just two people who don't actually really know each other who are both in a position where they're adhering to a fictional reality that's been created by somebody else and just dropped into their laps. Now, it might be a little bit difficult for you to look at things that way to begin with, but really when you step back and look at it, that's exactly what it is. 
it's fiction and not only that it's someone else's fiction that's been superimposed over our reality I mean we didn't think of any of this stuff up and we didn't plan to do any of this it's just the way things are because we were told and trained to believe that this is the way things are and we get faced with these situations and we get enormously frustrated with the person behind the counter we start petitioning we start writing letters and we start trying to address the symptom rather than looking at the problem which is systemic corruption the whole thing is corrupt the whole thing is designed to be corrupt it's designed to create this feeling of powerlessness in people and thereby to corrupt them by corrupting their train of thought by corrupting their energetic state by sending them down a blind alley of hatred frustration and powerlessness rather than allowing them the time to simply step back and ask the question why why am I constrained by this fictional reality? Because the truth is, folks, that if enough people were to step back and simply ask this question, then you'd find the fictional paper-based reality would fail. And the thing is that many people are beginning to ask this question because the slavery system is becoming apparent to people, and that's what it is, folks. It's a slavery system. And this is what all of our governments are running, and... And what they are harvesting from this slavery system is the energy of all of the people who operate within it. It's not about wealth, folks. It's about control. And that's what this system is. And because it's exposing itself so much, it's giving us the opportunity to heal it. And that's why the powers that believe they be are ramping this control grid up and militarizing the police and doing everything they can to maintain control because they know that the game is up people are beginning to realize what's going on here but the problem is that we are heading for some very precarious times globally and unfortunately people are looking at the situation locally they're not really looking at it globally and people are attempting to address local problems without connecting them to the global problems and realizing that it's all connected but we are heading for a very precarious global situation financially simply because of the current economic climate on the planet and things could go very pear-shaped very soon which could prove very detrimental for everybody but i believe that if we approach things in the correct manner before that point then we can address things still before they get too bad and we can do it simply by exposing the fiction to people and standing up and calling things out for what they are but the key point in all of it folks is for people to get it into their heads that it's fiction this whole financial system, all the global debt, all the concept that countries owe other countries money and all this sort of stuff, it's all fiction, folks. It's all designed to consolidate control on the planet and discard those sections of humanity that do not serve the system. That's what it's all about, and it's got nothing to do with actual reality at all. But the thing is, and even saying that, look, they're doing this because they're scared that people are waking up, there's also other reasons that they're doing it, folks, because, as I said, we are heading for some pretty precarious economic situations. And I find also there's too much talk in the alternative media of confirming for people that we're on the right track and we're winning and that they're doing all this simply because they're scared of us. Because there is a wider perspective to take on all of this as well, folks. I mean, sure, they are no doubt concerned at the global awakening that's happening and the level of consciousness on the planet. But I don't really think they're scared of it that much because they know a little bit more about what's going on. 
And there are, in fact, other reasons why our police are being militarised and why things are turning as pear-shaped as they are. And I'll try to connect a few dots for you after the break, folks. Like I said, I don't want to be seen as fear-mongering on any of this, but there are certain things that are happening around the planet or around our various countries that I think we need to be concerned about and I think we need to pay attention to and prepare for any possible scenarios that may be unfolding soon. But we'll discuss that after the break, folks, because it is break time now, so we're going to have a break. Thank you for listening to the show. It's always a pleasure to have your company, and I'll speak to you again in a few minutes. Thanks for listening. I might be moving to Montana soon Just to raise me up a crop of dental floss Raising it up Waxing it down In a little white box that I can sell uptown By myself I wouldn't have no boss But I'd be raising my lonely Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. 
Okay, so why did I bring you all of that perspective that I brought you on the first half of the show? Well, I did it because I think it's important to understand how the system works and to understand how people get their mindsets within the system, why it's always so confrontational when trying to deal with it. Because I think it's important to look at things from this perspective in order to find real remedy to the situation that we find ourselves in. I mean, ultimately, it's all about energy exchanges, folks. It really is. And that may sound hippie-like or esoteric or whatever, but it isn't. It's true. It's in the delivery of the message that you have. You know, if you're trying to combat this system and you get angry with it and you lapse into hatred, then you're coming from a bad center and you're never going to achieve anything because you're coming from a state of imbalance. You've got to look at things from a balanced perspective and speak out about them from a balanced perspective. And you've got to be honest in what you say. And don't worry about political correctness. Don't worry about skirting the issues. Simply speak directly and address the root cause of the problem and go straight to its heart. That's what you really need to do. And if it's done from a calm and logical perspective, there's very little the system can do to combat it, especially if there are large numbers of people that are all coming from this perspective and coming from this calm center. And look, earlier on in the broadcast, I was saying that you can't do this from a center of anger, and that's true in many ways, but you've got to put this into perspective. And look, I'm not saying don't get angry, folks. I think you should get angry. It's just what you do with that anger. I mean, I'm angry. I'm incredibly angry. You think I'm not angry? I am. I'm absolutely irate. And that is why I do the shows and do the things I do and do the lectures and make the films, because I'm angry at what is being done to this planet. But I channel that anger into calm, rational response. And I believe it's effective. It's an effective response. If I channeled that anger into hatred and started shaking my fist and screaming out and punching walls and blowing things up, well, it's a negative response. It's not achieving anything. All it's doing is feeding back into the negativity, and it's not addressing things from the root cause of the problem. You know, the problem has been created through an imbalance in the human condition. As I mentioned in my film, The Awakening, that I made in 2009, what evil really is, is an imbalance due to people acting in contradiction to the one law. And the one law of creation is unconditional love and service to creation. And that's the way I approach things when dealing with my anger. I channel my anger into the calm demeanor of the radio shows. But I do these shows because I'm angry, folks. It's important to understand that. But anger doesn't have to turn into violence. Anger can be used to calmly approach a situation in a rational way and in doing so it becomes very empowering for onlookers it becomes very empowering for other people to see that this is the way anger can be channeled into something calm and something calm that is driven by anger and that anger is driven by love this is a very very powerful force folks and if we use this and approach the situation this way we can make a difference simply by being calm and rational in what we do I mean, we really could bring about momentous changes if we approach things from this manner, folks. We really could. But we need the strength of numbers, of course. You can't do this on your own. You know, you don't want to be standing up against the system on your own, claiming your sovereignty and all this sort of stuff in the court. If there's no one there looking at you and there's no one there to record what's happening, I mean, they've got secret prisons. They're just disappearing people into who stand up against them. So it has to be done in mass, folks. And we need to look at the very many opportunities we're being given to actually stand up and address this situation, folks, because we are. 
I mean, as I've said so many times in the past and so many times on the shows recently, what our governments are doing is abuse of office. And there can be no security for the nation if the governments that control the infrastructure of those nations are removed of accountability and if the people are paying the price for their actions. In such a situation, the nation is not secure and the government has abused its office and we need to address it. And sure, they are concerned that people are speaking out about this sort of stuff, but they're not quite as scared of us as people are pretending and people are suggesting. I mean, very often in the alternative media, there's a certain amount of hubris in the way it's presented when they say, oh, look, they're doing all this because they're scared of us because we're winning. You know, it's just presented with a, a certain amount of overconfidence, which helps people to just sit back and ignore the situation and think, oh, well, we're all safe because they're scared of us. So there's a certain amount of programming that goes with that statement, folks. And, yeah, they are concerned at what's going on, but, but don't approach the situation from a state of hubris. You need to be concerned as well. Now, there really are a lot of interesting things going on at the moment, and we seem to be heading for a particularly interesting economic situation, as I mentioned earlier, folks. Because when you do start connecting the dots and you start looking at what's actually been going on in Yemen with the invasion in Yemen, you start looking at Operation Jade Helm that's going right out across many of the southern states of the United States and you look at the closing down of the Walmarts that's happened in the United States as well, which is unprecedented for these Walmarts to be closed down and Walmarts never close. And they're stipulating plumbing concerns for all of these Walmarts, and yet they're stipulating the same reason for every single one they're closing down. And this is right across the country. And no plumbers have been seen going into the building. So obviously there's something else going on there. So you need to look a little bit deeper at Walmarts and their possible uses. And for this, all we have to do is turn to Yemen and look what's just happened in Yemen, because... The U.S. Special Forces in Yemen, when they arrived, what they did was they commandeered the Walmarts and turned them into military posts because Walmarts are designed to be able to do this with. Essentially, every town in the United States that has a Walmart store has a military post in that town because that's what the Walmart store can be very easily converted into. And we've just seen them do this in Yemen. And it appears almost to have been a practice run. And when you combine that practice run with the practice run that is Operation Jade Helm, what they're doing in Jade Helm is they're practicing rounding up civilians and taking them to centres and then reintegrating them. So if they're reintegrating people, it would appear that they're practicing taking people somewhere and doing something to them and then reintegrating them back into some other environment or back into the same environment after they've been somehow changed in some way. That's what it would suggest anyway. That's what reintegration suggests. And Operation Jade Helm is essentially an extraction and reintegration program. Extraction, this would mean that possibly they're not talking about taking whole communities, perhaps simply gun owners or people of particular interest in communities. I imagine these extractions will be done at like 3 or 4 a.m. the way it usually is. And so that appears to be what Jade Helm is all about. And very interestingly, Operation Jade Helm is running until mid-September. And right alongside this, we see the Walmart stores closing down for plumbing reasons, we're told. And we're told that this will take about six months as well, which leads us to mid-September. Now, I mentioned a few shows ago that this is a Shemitah year. 
and at the end of Shemitah falls in September this year. And I said to watch out because we often see major changes happen in Shemitah years near the end of Shemitah. And something else that's happening this year, possibly, is that China may be foreclosing on its loan to the United States and suggesting the possibility that it may be time for China to take over the global reserve currency because the United States dollar really does not have any value left. And if China does float a new currency, and look, when I say float a new currency or become the global reserve currency or foreclose a state, I mean, I'm not a financial person. I don't really know what the right terminology is for whatever this maneuver China is going to pull. But I know China is expected to do something reasonably substantial on the global monetary stage in September, specifically on September the 10th. Now, I've got this information from people who work within the banking community, and apparently the banking community is all talking about what China may do on September 10th. And if it does bring in its new currency or, or take over the reserve currency or whatever it's got planned to do, the result will be the crash of the entire Western capitalist system. And it's quite possible that this could happen on September 10th. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just simply looking at all these connections and putting them all together. I've been looking at Jade Helm and looking at these Walmart closes and looking at the date of September, and then just right out of the blue, I get told by a banking insider that September 10th is a very significant day for the world because China may well be rendering the U.S. dollar completely and utterly useless on that day, which would mean people would be waking up to a completely new economic reality on September the 11th of this year. And while this happens, Jade Helm will still be in place. So if they do need to suddenly switch from drill mode to real mode and start rounding people up because of food shortages or riots or whatever, then all of the pieces are in place for them to do it. And with the Walmarts closed, all of these military posts are also set up to take care of this if it should happen. And when I look at Yemen and I see that they've just run the whole US Special Forces operation by the Walmarts in Yemen, which they converted to C2 command centers, then I have to ask if this is what they are preparing for with Operation Jade Helm and the closing of the Walmarts. I mean, even the name Jade Helm. Jade, of course, relates to China. One must wonder whether this has anything to do with China possibly foreclosing on the United States debt. Because the United States debt to China far exceeds the net worth of the country and everything in it. Now you look at all this and you think, well, okay, if they did start doing this and Jade Helm suddenly turned from drill to live, well, there'd be the Patriots and they'd coordinate themselves and there'd be a response. But you've got to wonder how this response would come about because now that they have rolled out the digital network as well and they've managed to put towers everywhere. You notice the amount of microwave towers there are everywhere now, folks. And, I mean, we had fine signal before they put all these towers in. There wasn't any real need for them to put towers in all these places that they put them. Or was there? Because you've really got to look at how the digital network functions and how it can be controlled. By way of example, there's a town not too far from me, about 60 miles away, and it's a hippie town called Nimbin. A lot of pot smokers, there's sort of weed signs all over the place, and the town gets quite regularly raided by 
squads of police that come up from Sydney. The local police don't really worry about it too much, but lately there's been squads coming up from Sydney and they've been raiding the town. And when they raid the town and the farms in the area, what they do is they shut down the digital network in the area so that there is no communication out of the area. And there's also, of course, no communication within the area, so people within the area cannot ring each other to alert their friends to the fact that the police are raiding the town. So they can shut down digital networks, folks, and not the whole network, mind you, just pockets of the network. I imagine they can triangulate with towers, so they can shut down a certain pocket of a network and not the whole network. So everybody else is still using their phones. They don't know that there's anything going on in this one little area because no signal is getting in or out of that particular pocket within the network. So if they were to go live with Operation Jade Helm in America and simply shut down the digital networks in the respective areas where they were concentrating on at the time, then there's no way for anybody to let anybody know. There's no way for you to even contact a guy down the road and let him know that there's something fishy going on, the military are knocking on your door, because you'll find your internet system and your digital network system will not function. And so there's no way to get a signal out to people. This is one of the reasons I believe they have replaced the analog network with a digital network, because they were not able to shut the analog network down as easily and quickly and effectively and selectively as they can the digital network. And they can do this, I believe, by simply accessing each area through the many towers that they've got placed around all of our countries now. So you can see they've actually been constructing the whole dominoes for the end game right around us as we've been going about our daily lives. And they've even been running test cases right under our nose and practice runs right under our nose and quite frankly, folks, it amazes me that people can just look at all of this going on around them and think nothing of it. And again, look, by saying all of this, I'm not saying that they're going to do this, and this is what's going to happen in September. I just find it very interesting that all of the pieces now appear to be in place. All the dominoes appear to be set up, and the fact that they've closed the Walmarts in the United States, this is a very, very strange thing, folks. This is something that they wouldn't normally do if they were not preparing to go live with this whole scenario. So I just have to look at it and wonder. And like I said, I'm not trying to be fear-mongering with any of this, but looking at this and seeing all of these dominoes now in place, I just feel it would be irresponsible of me not to bring it to the attention of the listeners. And as I said, folks, I'm not saying it's all going to happen. I'm not saying it's all going to go live. I'm just suggesting that people pay attention and perhaps prepare for any scenario to happen in September this year. Of course, it would be hard to tell people about this because there's been so many people crying wolf for the last seven years. Oh, FEMA camps, oh, rolling out the police state, all the stuff they're talking about doing. Oh, the financial crash. Everyone's been waiting for the financial crash for the last five years, but it hasn't come yet. So now if you tell people it might be just around the corner, they really don't believe you because people have been crying wolf for so long. It's the same with the FEMA camps. And yes, folks, they are going to do it. The FEMA camps do exist. This isn't a debatable point. They are there, and they are going to be used for something one day. And we are all expecting a financial crash. We're all expecting some big scenario to happen. And when you look at what's going on in 2015 and 
the way all the pieces are now in place, I just think it would be prudent for people to be prepared. Even perhaps if you have uh, any money lying around, perhaps it would be a good idea to maybe convert it into gold or silver just for maybe the next six months and see what happens after September. I mean, it certainly can't hurt anyway. Again, this may not even happen in September. There may be a way that the United States can prolong this facade a little bit longer, but I don't think they'll be able to do it for too long because the banking people that I'm talking to, and these are people who are very high up in the banking echelons, folks that I've just kind of met recently. They're not like close friends or anything, but they're just people that I talk to. And when I say up at the high echelons, I'm not talking about like Rothschilds and central banks and stuff like this, just people who own chains of like the National Bank or the Commonwealth Bank and things like this. And they might own a few different banks and have regional managers in there holding the pot for them. But they're quite high up as far as the lower levels of banking goes. And when I say the lower levels, I'm talking about normal, everyday suburban banks and people that own chains of these things. Not reserve banks, not global conglomerates, but just large banking chains within their respective countries. But apparently all of the banking community at the highest levels are talking about what China may do on September the 10th, and they're all talking about how the crash is going to happen and when it's going to happen. They're all wondering how and when. They're not wondering if it's going to happen. They're all completely expecting it to happen. They can't see any way out of it happening. They're just wondering how and when it's going to happen. And they're all very, very interested in the date of September the 10th, 2015. So I just thought it would be a good thing to share that with everybody. Again, folks, not to be fear-mongering, just to help people perhaps be a little bit prepared for what may be coming down the pike. And also to suggest that people pay attention and open lines of communication within their community that are not digital and do not depend on a digital network. I think it's a good idea. If you've got any old analog phones, I think it's a good idea to keep using these things if the network's still there and you can use them. But landlines, not wireless networks at all. Walkie-talkies, ham radio sets are always a good one. It's good to have a ham radio set on hand hooked up to a battery so that you've got that for when the world goes Stone Age. I mean, you just never know. It's good to have these things. I mean, even the Pony Express folks, just open lines of communication with people so that you do have a plan. So, yeah, that's really the scenario at the moment, folks, and I just have to look at all of this stuff, and like I said, I'm, I'm not one to fear-monger. I'm not one to put out dire warnings. Any of the regular listeners of my show know this, and so I don't put this information out there lightly. I think we are seeing some pretty significant things taking place, folks, and I think that there is a plan in all of this. The question is, what can we do to combat it? You know, I've been saying for years that our governments are in abusive office and if we rise as a community, we can hold them accountable. We can call them for abusive office. We can realize that what they're doing is actually a threat to national security because we are the nation and we can dismiss our governments. But we need a united community to do it. And if we're not prepared to stand up and do this, then things may go pear-shaped very quickly. You know, if it gets to the point where the financial system does come crashing down and everybody wakes up and suddenly their dollars are worth nothing, it's going to create a pretty uncomfortable situation and you're going to see a revolutionary situation unfold 
in the United States and in many Western countries. And folks, for all of you out there who say you want to have an armed uprising against your government, I can tell you right now that you don't. You don't want to be in a country that's having a revolution, folks. You don't want to do it. Um, have a look at Yemen. Look what just happened to the revolution that people tried to have in Yemen. And that's what it was. It was a people's revolution. Don't let the news fool you when they're saying this was a, an Iranian proxy war. It wasn't. It was a U.S. proxy war. Because Yemen is a puppet government. And it was controlled by Western interests. And when the people tried to free themselves from that puppet government, you had all of some of the most brutal dictatorships in the world all go in there to maintain order, apparently. This is what we heard. You had Saudi Arabia going in there to stop the rebels taking over the government. And what they've done is they've reduced most of Yemen to rubble, destroyed most of the infrastructure. There's no concern for civilian casualties or concern for hospitals or schools or markets or anything like this. They just blew the whole place up and turned it to rubble in order to protect the government. And they took a whole bunch of other brutal dictatorships in there to help them. You look at the alliance that was used to go in and attack Yemen. And these are brutal dictatorships. And even the United States supplying Egypt with tanks and weapons. Egypt is a military dictatorship. So this was a U.S. proxy war. And they've done it to destabilize the area and to, I'd say, probably put a U.S. base in there. But also, I think they've done it to have a practice run. See how the soldiers and special forces perform in war zones, take over the Walmarts and just run it and see how it all turns out. And folks, you've got to understand that in many ways we've pushed them to this because they are scared. You know, the amount of people that are waking up across the planet right now is exponential. It's absolutely amazing how many people are coming online and actually realizing that they've been fed a lie. And so, yeah, they are running scared. They are absolutely terrified of what this global awakening will bring because when the truth sinks into people, when the truth of 9-11 sinks into people, the fact that elements within the United States themselves, elements within the military-industrial complex, elements within the government, they carried out the 9-11 attacks themselves. They killed 3,000 of their own people and then they started waging wars against other countries and have killed millions of people in response, knowing all the while that these people were innocent. And there's been a lot of people involved in this, and there's been a lot of people involved in the cover-up. And that's why you've got a reasonable amount of people on the dark side, if you want to call it that, who are prepared to attack the people and are prepared to repress the people because it's the only hope they have of survival. Because if the people really rise up, you know, if 9-11, the truth of 9-11 sinks into the minds of people and they do rise up, they're going to be chasing these politicians down the street with pitchforks and ropes. I mean, honestly, it will. There'll be lynch mobs that want to get hold of these people once the truth sinks in. And so they are running scared. But the problem is that they've got the mechanism to be able to lock society down if they want to. If we don't wake up to the fact that it's all fiction and we can't create some sort of lines of communication with our police and our National Guard and our military and help these people understand that they've got to be on the side of the people and that we can circumvent this whole system, even the whole economic system, everything. We can circumvent the whole thing if we step into our power and stand up as a community and call things for what they are. We can still do it. We don't have to go through this crunch. We don't have to go through this crisis. We don't have to see any takeovers. We don't have to see any economic crashes. We don't have to see any wars. We don't need to see 
any revolutions or any coups. All we need is an empowered humanity to stand up and call things for what they are, and we can make a difference. And we've been given every opportunity to do it, folks. We really are. I've said this over and over again. We've been given every opportunity to do it, but time is running short. It really is. If we don't stand up and do this before the situation develops into something confrontational, then it will simply lapse into chaos and it will be every man for himself and we'll have to see where we go from there because from that point anything goes and anything's possible. And even fighting against our governments will be extremely difficult, folks, because they have technology that many people are not aware of. Look at 9-11. How did those buildings come down? There's all sorts of stuff going on that we don't know about. Now, the thing is that we don't have to fight against our governments, folks, because we've got all the tools we need to be able to deal with things now if we choose to stand up and be counted. And there are enough people in the world who are awake for us to do this, folks. There are enough of us. If everybody who is awake chooses to step into their power and stand up and have their voice heard, then we can make a difference because we can wake up the rest of the community because most of the community is starting to wake up. Most of the community are looking at things going, this is just all wrong. How did the world get to be in this state? And people are starting to ask questions, and what they need now is for people to be able to point them in the right direction, and the right direction is personal empowerment. That is the right direction. You know, if we stand up as one empowered, united community, then the system has nowhere to go. I mean, even in Thailand recently, we saw the soldiers and the police putting their weapons down and siding with the people, and that's what we'll see in many cases in our countries too. The only ones who won't do it will be the psychopaths, and they are vastly outnumbered folks. And if we show some solidarity and some compassion and we approach this situation with a calm demeanor, channel our anger into calm, logical response, I believe we will make a difference and we will inspire the entire world to stand up and join with us. I really think we have a way out of this, folks, if we choose to step into our power and now is the time that we need to do it. And the timing cannot be more important. We really do need to stand up and be counted, folks. And so I'm just about out of time here, folks. I will be in the UK in May, speaking at AV6 with Ian Crane and Kara Keefe and a whole bunch of other people. Zen Gardner will be there. So do make it along to that if you're in England. It would be great to see you. I then have to have a meeting with the core group involved in Full Circle Projects so we can hopefully launch that very quickly afterwards. And I may be doing a radio show next week, or I may be off air next week. I'm not sure, but if I do a show next week, it will be the last show that I do until at least mid to late June, because that'll be when I get back from overseas. But look, that is it for me. I've run out of time again. It's always a pleasure to come and talk to you, though, folks. Thank you for listening to the show today. Thank you to anybody who's ever made a contribution to my website, thecrowhouse.com. It really is needed, folks, if anybody can. And my deep gratitude goes out to anybody who ever has. That is it for me, folks. I'm completely out of time. I'll look forward to speaking to you again next week. Please take good care until then. In La Kesh, my friends. In La Kesh. It wasn't very large. There was just enough room to cram the drums in the corner over by the dodge. It was a 54 with a mashed-up door and a cheesy little amp. With a sign on the front that said the Champ and a second-hand guitar It was a Stratocaster with a whammy bar We got
Joe's garage. His mama was screaming, turn it down. We were playing the same old song in the afternoon. And sometimes we were playing all night long. It was all we knew. I am Pastor Ernie Sanders, the voice of the Christian resistance. Stay tuned. My radio broadcast, What's Right, What's Left, is coming up right now. Let me read that again. 
My son, fear the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. He's talking about those that are given to change from from the word of God. In fact, in First Peter, uh, he kind of hits on that in chapter 2, and I believe it is in, in verse 17, if I remember. Uh, maybe we'll take a look at that. But he goes on to say, For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? These things belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. He that saith to the wicked, Thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, and nations shall abhor him. Well, today we call that political correctness uh, out there today. And he goes on to say, But to them that rebuke him shall be delight, and a good blessing shall come upon him. Every man shall kiss the lips that give the right answer. In other words, do the right thing. It's a sin. I've got to tell you, you folks that voted for liberal politicians and candidates, you sinned against God. You sinned against the people. Uh, and I think most of you, or at least some of you, know you did. Now, I want to go back, and, and, and that's why today we have Obamacare. That's why our nation is is being ripped apart and torn apart. And some of you not only voting for it once, but you voted for him twice. Now, America was given the choice in 2012 voting for, or 2010. No, 2012. America was given the choice of voting for a, a heterosexual Mormon or a homosexual Muslim communist. Uh, now, a lot of Christians stayed home, but the young and the simple-minded, well, they turned out in large numbers. Uh, but many will say, well, wait, we didn't. How would, how, how would we to know? How, how should we have known uh, that Obama was a homosexual communist and a Muslim? You should have known. That's just the point. You should have known. It, it's you need to do more than just to vote. Just to vote is not enough. You need to not only to to know the kind of people to be informed, and that's one of the purposes of the Tea Party to inform you, and to let you know who these people are and what they're all about. And uh, I often will hear people say, "Well, don't you understand? God gave." gave us Obama as a punishment. He gave us Obama as a punishment, and therefore uh, we have to accept him. First of all, don't lay that on God. That's just not true. Um, God allows you. You brought it upon yourself. Let's go to Hosea chapter 8. I want to read verses 1 through 4. Set the trumpet to my mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespass against my law. Now, that word eagle there is actually, uh, literally means a vulture. Now, the Assyrians were about to swoop down on Israel to devour their spiritually dead bodies, but she would cry out to God for deliverance. Uh, but what did she do? She never gave up dependence on her idols. So Israel should cry out to me, verse 2, My God, we know thee. No. No, you don't. If you knew him, you would repent of your sins and call upon his name. In verse 3, 
Israel hath cast off the thing that is good, the enemy shall pursue him. And verse 4, they have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes that I knew not. Well, you see, that's exactly what has happened in America. And uh, America has said, give us the ungodly. We, we don't want godly people. We don't want good people there. We want people that reflect uh, the majority of the people. The majority of the people say, hey, guess what? We love our sin. Uh, but some of us understand. You see, it's God that judges the nations, not the nations that judge God. There's something out there today that's that's considered to be a hate crime. Uh, we used to call it common sense. Common sense today is not welcome. It's forbidden in your universities. Not allowed in the public school system. Uh, today you have uh, these people going to court. Uh, they want to give monkeys and chimpanzees. Uh, they want to give them legal rights, the same rights as humans. Uh, you have <laughs> this this political correctness and liberalism in itself is total insanity. It is. It is really total insanity. Well, here now, in fact, the very same people that want to give chimpanzees the same constitutional rights as people are the ones that want to take away all the right, the right to life for the unborn and the elderly. Again, this is called insanity. Well, I want to take you now uh, to Second Corinthians chapter 5. Now, there are people that are going to tell you that, well, you know, we didn't get involved uh, in, in politics. We just voted for, well, we voted for the party, or the party line. Stupid is as stupid does. Folks, Again, we I had just read to you from God's Word the Bible. It is a sin. It is a sin to vote for and elect wicked people. You sin against God and you sin against your country. Now, here, who are we... Now, I'm addressing the Christians out there today. Well, of course, that applies to everyone. But if you are an actual born-again Bible-believing Christian, then you're more than that. Uh, you have duty, first of all, your duty, you only have one king. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we go to First Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, here, uh, the miracle of regeneration is what's being spoken of here being born again and baptized by the Holy Spirit into the spiritual body of Christ. That, that is a true miracle of special creation. Now, it's not some psychological redirection or anything of the sort. Um, comparable even in uh, quality uh, to the creation of the universe. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying that that's as, as much a miracle... And yet people aren't going to understand that. Um, that as much a miracle, the 
when we talk about the regeneration, being born again uh, into the spiritual body of Christ, as we see in the creation of the universe. Now, he goes on to say, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, what does that mean? In a nutshell, it means one. Mission one, as Christians and ambassadors, as an ambassador, what do you do? Well, you go to uh, the foreign countries, and that's what we are to do. And you say, thus saith my king, the Lord. And that's what I'm doing right now, here, in God's Word, the Bible. Now, I want to take you over also, because the Lord Jesus said here um, to us, to his ambassadors, that we're to be zealous for the Lord's sake. We're to be zealous. And then he says, uh, go do all that I commanded thee, not... Not what we can do comfortably. I, I've had preachers, I've had preachers tell me that they don't get involved in the pro-life activity. They, they don't get involved. They won't go onto the streets and preach the gospel message uh, in front of those abortion mills. They won't take part in, in protests the way they should against uh, the wickedness and the evil. Uh, many of them won't even go up, and, and well, very few of us. We here in Ohio, as far as I know, we have the largest death row ministry in the state. But and many of well, they won't even do that. They're afraid to go up there. They don't want to be around those criminal type people. But the bottom line is fear, 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 fear. We've had no place, no place, no place has our Lord been more dishonored. And through the lack of courage and integrity in the pulpits in this country. And that's a reality. I want to turn to Proverbs 29. And in Proverbs 29, I want to read verses 1 through 4. And I know that we were... We were over there last night, and uh, I started on that. But I want to go back there, Proverbs 29. Now, in Proverbs 29, we read this. He that being often reproved, hardened his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. Well, I'm going to tell you, you can't find a better example of that than the days of Noah. Boy, in the days of Noah, were they suddenly reproved without any remedy. Uh, and also, well, in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, they too were reproved without any remedy. Well, then we say in verse 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. 
But when the wicked bear through, the people mourn. Uh, have you noticed there's a lot of mourning taking place in, in America today? Everywhere you turn. Everywhere you turn today. There's a lot of mourning taking place. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoices his father. But he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. Well, today there's... And the Bible often speaks of different types of harlots out there. Uh, here he's referring more specifically to uh, to women. But throughout Scripture, even in Hosea chapter 4, uh, those that have gone a-whoring, the, the men, the leaders who have gone a-whoring uh, with other gods in that, they're also referred to as whores. And then we read here in verse 4, the king by judgment establishes the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth. Let me read that again. Uh, somebody needs to send this to the Clintons. Uh, the king by judgment establishes the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. Well, the Clintons have been selling America out piece by piece for millions. He goes on to say in verse 10, the bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. Let me read that again. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. In Psalm 7, 11, the Bible says, the God is angry with the wicked every day. God is angry with the wicked every day. And in verse 16, we read, and when the wicked are multiplied, transgressions increase but the righteous shall see their fall. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Well, here as we take a look at that, it's an interesting thing. Uh, we, I had mentioned it before, how, how people will have their priorities so mixed up. It's it's an unbelievable thing, um, and and it seems like they they don't learn from their past today. They just don't learn from their past. A good example here in Chicago when they just had another record bloodletting in a week recently where they had so many so many black young black men shooting them and killing other young black men and in Chicago where they got the strictest gun laws well also uh, you have so many innocent people being killed because you see liberals most liberals they don't understand that criminals, those that will steal and kill and rob, uh, they don't really care about obeying gun laws. This is why they're called criminals. But again, this goes into the area of common sense where, where liberals, they will not tread into that area. They will not embrace, um, they avoid well, common sense. So what is, what is their response? No, Rob Emanuel, because they have the strictest gun laws and they have the highest crime rate. His 
remedy is make even stricter gun laws. That way we'll have even higher crime rate. Now you say, well, that's lunacy. That's right. But liberalism is lunacy. Now, most of you out there have no idea that, well, that 2,800 years ago, 2,800 years ago, Isaiah the prophet, and that's why we always say there is no greater source of knowledge than the Bible, the Word of God. Uh, there is no greater source. Uh, the Word of God is just unbelievable in the sense, well, it's it's unbelievable in the sense that the technology and the intelligence in the Word of God is, is so far, so far ahead of of uh, anything that modern man can even begin to embrace. You say, what do you mean? Well, let me give you an example. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 32. And in Isaiah 32 we read, Behold, the king shall reign in righteousness, and the princes shall rule in judgment. Now, this was written uh, 2,800 years ago. And it's referring to when Christ will set up his millennial kingdom. And he will set up the millennial kingdom. There's absolutely no chance that that won't happen. That will happen, okay? Just like all of the over 1,800 prophecies found in the Word of God have come to pass exactly when, exactly where, exactly how, with perfect accuracy. And every single one of them will be fulfilled. As the Lord Jesus has stated, that heaven and earth will pass, but his words will never pass. They will stand forever. And I'm going to tell you, the, the record has been 100% pure and accurate. Now, he says in verse 2, a man shall be as a hiding place. From the wind and a covert from the tempest and the rivers of water and a dry place as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Well, um, here, this is a beautiful metaphor, if you will. And uh, it applies not just to uh, to man, but to the God-man, Jesus Christ. He is the rock, our only sure shadow. That's what he's referring to, our defense from the heat of God's wrath and our sins in the weary land under God's curse because of his sin. And the eyes of them that shall see shall not be dim, and the ears of them that shall hear shall hearken. And the heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammer shall be ready to speak plainly. Well, you know what's going to happen. Uh, first of all, they're going to understand. There's so many out there today uh, that... Have a, have a very difficult time expressing uh, what they what they're thinking. They know what it is they uh, they want to say, but they're having a very difficult difficult time saying that when it comes to the Word of God. But that'll change. That'll change. And also, those that have a hard time understanding will be much much more likely, and, and they will understand. They will understand things that they can't understand now. In verse 5 he says, The vile person shall be no more called a liberal. 
nor the churls said they'd be bountiful. Well, in other words, when this was written some 2,800 years ago, the word liberal had a, a positive connotation on it. A, a liberal was someone who was generous with their own property, with their own money, with their own food, with their own wealth, and their own freedoms. Today, a liberal is someone who's generous with other people's property and other people's freedoms. And he says, for the vile person will speak villainly. Now, what he's saying here is that once the Lord sets up his millennial kingdom, words will have will go back to having their original meaning. When we today, when we use words like um, liberal, it will it will go back. It'll it'll have a, a good meaning. But he's telling you that just prior, just prior to the setting up of the millennial kingdom, the word liberal. Well, he says, for the vile person will speak villainy, and his heart will work iniquity to practice hypocrisy and to utter error against the Lord to make empty the soul of the hungry and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. Well, this is exactly what a liberal does today. This is exactly liberals hate God and they, they love sin, whether it's sodomy, whether it's abortion, euthanasia, if you know, pornography, whatever it is, um, they want to embrace it. And, um, Today you see him marching and, and often carrying signs that when Christ comes back, we'll kill him again. And there's this, they hate, they hate Christ, uh, and they hate his Christians. So they can't touch him, so they go after his Christians. But again, the, the Bible makes it very clear that God hates those that love violence. God hates those that love violence. He goes on to say, the instruments also of the churl are evil. He devises wicked devices to destroy the poor and the lion hordes, even when the needy speaketh right. But the liberal devises liberal things, meaning wicked things or evil things. So anyhow, and that was written 2,800 years ago, and the accuracy is, is exactly what it says today. We, we see that exactly happening today. So we're going to be coming up to a break, and when we come back, we're going to have with us Michael Biskoff, and we're going to hear his story. But I wanted to tell you very quickly before we went to that break that um, mark your calendar for Saturday, June 13th, 2015. That's Saturday, June 13th, 2015, at the Parkside Warehouse at 31200 Solon Road. That's the Parkside Warehouse, 31200 Solon Road, uh, because we're going to have an ice cream social and pie competition to benefit Joggy County Right to Life. Boy, the last one we had was unbelievable. Uh, the ladies made desserts like you wouldn't believe. It was just, uh, just amazing, I can tell you. So mark your calendar for that day. And then also coming up, uh, mark your calendar for uh, the... Well, let's see. When is the date? Here you go. June 18th. Rafael Cruz is coming in. Uh, WHK and the American Liberty League welcome Re uh, Re Reverend Rafael Cruz, the father of Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, Jug County Tea Party is involved in that, too. So 
He's coming into town. We'll tell you more about that, but mark your calendar for June 18th, 2015. Now, coming up to a break. And when we come back, we, well, we're going to have Michael Biscoff, and he's got a story to tell you all. So, meanwhile, I'm going to take me a wet my whistle. I'll be back right after this with more. Welcome to God's So that's where we're heading someday for those of us to love the Lord. And uh, that's a fact, just as it says in God's Word, the Bible. All right, we have uh, here with me tonight Michael Bischoff and Al Thrower. And uh, Michael is the owner of Passport Pizza. Uh, Are you there, Michael? Hello, Michael, are you there? Okay, you have Al on this line. Yeah, Al, I guess what happened looks like Mike must have dropped, all right? Okay, like, he'll probably he'll probably call back in, so I can I'm, basically. Are you there, Mike? Run down. Yes, I am. All right, Mike, you had uh, kind of a rude awakening. Uh, so, one day you went to your pizza pizza store, and uh, you found out all the locks had been changed. Um, so, right. 
you rented that pizza location from a, a fellow, I believe his name is Tony Gallo. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And so, so one day you just show up to your pizza shop, and the locks were all changed. And now, uh, that kind of seems a little strange. Were you way behind in the rent or something? No, not at all. I was in the model. I was in the um, right in the middle of remodeling my location, and I was moving a little bit of equipment, uh, some different equipment in. That we're part of. I was part of a pizza franchise. And part of my franchise is that, you know, I have to update my store every so often. So the slowest two weeks of the year are right after the 4th of July. So I was there for three years, and we sort of had the gist of what the business was doing. So I was in the midst of remodeling my location, you know, and I had a sign in the window, post-remodeling. And this um, the landlord, uh, you know, yeah, had, uh, he had the idea that I might have been moving out. And we told him we were moving out. So he took it upon himself upon an eviction to change the locks. And if my business was probably valued at $150,000, and he changed the locks. And uh, basically, he's kept me out for it's been almost two years now that I've been locked out of my business. And I've been fighting with, uh, fighting with the courts. Um, and he, he's, uh, this guy's, uh, you know, was... Uh, friends with the judge, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's friends with the judge, he's friends with the local prosecutor, and I've been going through getting railroad ever since. A lot of people don't understand this. This is where why we have the real true Christian resistance movement here in Ohio and courtroom observers. Um, it's, it's really gotten, like everything else, you know, the Bible tells you that the days we're living in, uh, the, the great apostasy, and that's what we're living in, the great apostasy. Uh, that this would happen. Men would become more and more lawless, and all we have to do is look at Washington, D.C., and look at the White House, and here we see someone who is who could care less about the Constitution, places himself above the laws of God and the laws of the Constitution. So that this Tony guy, what uh, when you when you confronted him, you, you, you asked him, what, uh, what are you doing? What did he say? Um, he Said he was locking me out. He said that you know I you know I would have uh, he really didn't give any reason. He thought that he had he thought he actually thought I was moving out, and he had some ambiguous language in his lease that that uh, if the assets that were in the store could possibly be held for future rent that could you know that I, I was three years into a five year lease. I wasn't going to move out. You know he he was getting his rent. And he, he he thought that I was going to move everything out and leave him high and dry, which he took you know he took it upon himself to make an assumption that it wasn't true. And um, so and when his friend um, when I went into um, uh, court, I found it was a cut and dry case. He, I've never been evicted to this day. He's never filed eviction charges or a landlord tenant you know, landlord tenant case against me. They went with this, um, they, what they did was a claim and delivery action against me, which uh, is something that normally is used in a, in a circuit court, uh, something that was up and beyond the jurisdiction of the local district court. And, and, and it's the claim and delivery is something after usually it's uh, after you've been evicted and after, you know, uh, 
First of all, you have to go through the process, the eviction process. After the eviction process, if you still have assets in the building, they could come and take a claim and delivery action against your assets if there's money owed to the landlord. And that's like, from A to Z, that's like the last thing you would do. But with his influence, he started off with Z instead of having to go through A. You know, the landlord-tenant laws are the oldest laws in the land. They've been around since, you know, uh, you know the... For early times, you know, they're, they're the oldest lots, you know. Well, for something like, like that, uh, say a situation uh, like that, I know that they're, they're required to give you uh, a notice, that an eviction notice. I know that if it's something like, um, you know, if you're doing something you're, uh, where you have, a, you know, a dangerous, let's just say you're a bar or something, you're having all kinds of fights or fires or something, uh, then they can get by with a with a seven day seven day notice uh, to to get out of there. But um, in a case like yours, you know, he never gave you a notice, um, and he didn't he, he didn't I mean didn't tell you at all that he was going to padlock. I mean he should have at least came and said, look, what are you doing here? Right to find out um, what you're doing. So so you say. What happened was you were the one that got charged, right? Well, see, the prosecutor, um, after this, I went to the district court, and um, I went to had a hearing in the district court, and the judge told me that the assets that I have the leased assets in my building, just like leasing a car. The, the restaurant equipment was leased from a leasing company, and this, and this, this stuff, I returned the stuff, I was updating my equipment. I returned the old stuff, and then I was had some new stuff coming in. And and the judge ordered me to, to return everything that I took out of the building. And I said, well, how can I go, your judge, how can I return everything that I took out of the building back to the building and hook it up? And he wanted me to hook it up, and then we can work things out. You know, he wasn't going to do anything until I did that. That was his first order he gave me. And I said, well, that's like leasing a car, and when the lease is up in the car, you take it to the dealership. Then then I, then I have to go to the dealership and take it back off the lot after my lease is up? I, you know, I go, I, I can't do it. You're, you're ordering me the impossible to do. And um, I've been fighting ever since then, uh, and that stupid order, that stupid, that stupid order I've been fighting to get reversed for the last two years, and it's just, uh, and and that's the gist of my my problems is that one stupid order, and uh, you know, and um, and then then I wouldn't re- then I wouldn't um, uh, abide by the order, so he ended up filing a cost bond on me for thirty five thousand dollars. The jurisdiction in his court was only twenty five thousand dollars. And um, I didn't pay the thirty-five thousand dollars, so the judge blew up and put me in. Uh, it blew up and put me in a holding cell for a couple hours, and uh, then he finally let me go. And um, and so we held this thing over since it wasn't the jurisdiction uh, jurisdiction of the district court. We moved it over to the circuit court. And, and the circuit court took away my counter suit rights because they never paid the thirty-five thousand dollars bond. But yeah, uh, uh, let me—I don't mean to interrupt you, Mike. But but the the one thing is, it's uh, when when you're a tenant, like there's a lot of landlords back there. Landlord, it goes back to old English law, the landlord, and the landlord-tenant law 
has been, uh, like you were saying, in hundreds of years in the making. There's a lot of landlords that if if uh, if they want to put somebody out on the street, they would love to just go change the locks, uh, keep all their stuff, but but they cannot do that. Okay, I'm looking at uh, the landlord and tenants practical guide by State Representative Lisa Liss from the 28th District out of Lansing, and what they call that is a self-help eviction or a lockout, and it says right in her guide that. Um, no one, no landlord can change the locks, turn off the utilities, do anything like that. I mean, the utilities were even on in your name. Isn't that right, Mike? Yes, they were on. Okay. And like Pastor Sanders says, it says, uh, notice must be given to the tenant before a landlord may file suit. Now, now what the usual procedure in Michigan is we research out, you have, you got to give them the seven-day, then, and it's seven business days, then what you have to do, you have to go into court and file an eviction action. And it doesn't matter if you're General Motors, it doesn't matter if uh, you're somebody renting a room, you know, this is the law, and the law has to be followed. You know, these are, these, the Constitution is, is the framework of America, and people have to follow the law. The law is written in the book. People go to law school. And on eviction, there are lawyers that basically troll. Like uh, if a landlord has been wrongfully evicted, like an illegal lockout, you know, that, that's going to be deep pockets as far as suing the landlord. I've actually been in that position where a landlord locked me out. We went to a jury trial. They had to stop it halfway through trial because – the the damage was going to be so high that the uh, the landlord begged me to to stop this trial, take this money. We had a secret agreement; we weren't allowed to disclose how much it was. But uh, see what they've done here with Mike, and what we've done is uh, he filed a couple of federal suits because what they did they locked all his trademark uh, Mike's um, and Passport Pizza. They're in the franchising business, so. Uh, in the federal court in the Southern District of Michigan, Eastern Division in Detroit, there's a federal case for uh, trademark violation. And he did get a, ju- a state judge. What was the name of that judge, Mike, that ruled in your favor? Um, he Foster. Said that, what's judge his name? Foster. 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 Right. She, that, she that you Foster do have a right. That you do have a claim for a illegal lockout. So it's not like. You're coming on the radio, like, uh, without a state court judgment backing you up. And, Let me ask you and, this. Let me ask you this, uh, Joe, uh, uh, Mike. You said, first of all, that the prosecutor um, was a friend of the mall owner, uh, Tony Gallo, and the judge was a friend. How do you, how do you know that? Did he tell you well, that? Well, there's, there's, two, there's two sides to this. Um, the judge, the district court judge, as a uh, as a friend of um, as a friend of Tony Gallo and, and Tony Gallo's lawyer, and this is this uh, state now he's a state representative, uh, Pilocito, and there Pilocito publishes a magazine, and 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 every month in this magazine, this Judge Dennis LaDuke writes an article telling him how he loves the Macomb County, Michigan, and they're 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 buddies. You, you see you see. Uh, you see uh, them there in the Italian, 
Uh, they got a, a Italian cultural club and a lot of attorneys, Italian attorneys in Macomb County. They belong to this club. Pete, Pete's almost every edition, Pete's shaking the judge's hand, giving them an award. You know, uh, Tony Gallo, uh, Pete Lucido was, uh, uh, Tony Gallo was, uh, put up a lot of money to get Pete Lucido. He just went into state representatives that day as of January 1st. And they're, they're, there's no, there's no doubt that they were friends. You know, they, 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 the judge, the Duke actually recused himself because he got to the point that it was getting unbiased. Uh, you know, after he made these, after he made these rules for friends for, he did friends for a favor. It was so obvious. And he, he you know, finally he said, well, I, you know, I, I'm getting a little over my head here. I'm a, you know, when we asked him to recuse himself, he recused himself. But he left me with all the garbage, all the bad rulings that he left behind, and well, for me to undo. Well, uh, why why did you come here? I mean, uh, you wanted to bring your your uh, case obviously to the people out there. Why 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 was that? Did you feel that you were not going to get justice in the courtroom? Well, I'm, I'm I feel like my word has to get out there. Uh, then what ended up? The second thing with the prosecutor was they ended up pressing. Uh, largely in a building charge against me taking my own equipment. So I moved. I moved some equipment and my own equipment out of my own building, and this is how much culture these have, people have. You know, it's, I almost think it's like Senator Michigan. I almost think it's like Macomb County, Georgia, Michigan. You know, and, and but, you know they they have so much so much behind the scenes garbage that they, they could go and 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 uh, talk to the prosecutor, and we've had depositions of the detectives. They've never even did an investigation on it, and on hearsay, they pressed larceny in a building and me stealing my own equipment. And they better make you right. go through. Hey, uh, I did, uh, on that equipment is uh, it actually belonged to uh, a third entity? Is is that a fair statement, Mike? Right, man. So, the receipts from the lease agreement from the third entity, right? right. Exactly. So uh, it's like it's like Pepsi putting a pop machine inside a restaurant, then it gets hypothetically foreclosed on or eviction, and then the owner's going to say, well, we're going to keep this pop machine. Okay, this is our pop machine. And so uh, uh, the equipment has is, uh, so he's basically like, and we, we look this over, you know, as far to investigate, like it's on the Internet, the trademark suit, he filed a civil rights suit, and uh, so it's just like the right to carry arms. Uh, he has, Mike has a constitutional right. He has a constitutional right to bring his issue to the people. He has a constitutional right on the United States constitution and the Michigan constitution to access the courts. And the first stage of accessing the court is through an eviction process where he can go in. They serve, they serve them with a seven-day notice. Then they get a court date. Then they bring them into court, and they present evidence on why he should be evicted. And then he presents evidence on why he should not be evicted. So this is what uh, was shortchanged on his part. And what, what they want to do is they, they want to, when we investigated, uh, you know, before we put him on the show, um, they want to, uh, it's like, let's look at the apples and not the oranges. So let's look over here. Oh, he took some equipment. Well, this equipment 
belong to a third entity, well, it doesn't matter. We're just going to charge him. Okay, we're not going to look at that he should have went through an eviction process, that he should have had notice, and that they well, should have followed. What he was doing, he was simply law. he was keeping up with the contract that he had with the company that he was leasing the equipment from. So um, now we have a fellow named Jerry who's who's a business owner who said he's experienced the same thing. Uh, you'd like to hear from Jerry. Bring yes. Jerry up. Hello, Jerry. Are you there? Yes. Hello. How are, how are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. You say that uh, you've experienced something similar to this? Well, I've had uh, my rights trampled on by the uh, same type of uh, situation with the uh, judges uh, being friends with landlords. Uh, I'm a business owner in Ohio, and I've rented property and had a similar situation uh, where I was actually locked out of a property without any due process whatsoever. And I just find it interesting, the topic matter tonight, um, and I'm really kind of listening in, but I'd be happy to uh, answer any questions regarding it. Well, for all three of you, uh, how often do you think this is, happens to people? And then before before it happened to you, did you ever give any thought that, hey, that, that this might be happening to people, that uh, their, their rights have been trampled on all over? Honestly, I, I believe in the good of all, and I, and I never thought that anybody would be... Uh, Treating somebody so poorly, especially a business person trying to just make it in society, uh, paying their way, being on time with everything that they were supposed to do, I figured what could go wrong. Um, not until I found the landlord that had a property that was uh, more lucrative to go in a different direction for him than the direction uh, we were going in uh, did I experience anything with this. But it's, it's just a travesty. It's a shame. It's, uh, it's not hardly fair, and I'm listening to both gentlemen tonight, and I'm just sympathizing. I don't understand. Well, Mike, tell me, who, who is who is Tony Gallo? Is he a, a millionaire, a billionaire, or something? No, he, he's uh, he's uh, he, he's well to do. He's made it well. He's uh, probably a forty-five-year-old man that uh, made uh, made made some money in the past in real estate, and uh, he was uh, he, you know, he's done well. And I I don't. Uh, you know, I don't knock anybody on welfare herself. I, I, uh, my, my big thing about being on the air here is, um, uh, is I think it happens more often than you know. And I think a lot of people, me, I, I, I'm fighting back. And then these people aren't used to somebody fighting back, you know, and uh, fighting back. And I think it happens to a lot of people don't have the means to fight back. You know, a lot of property owners, you know, they'll just take it, you know, they... You know, they'll take it that they just don't have no rights when it comes to property, you know. And, and uh, I think, I think uh, you know, I've heard, heard from more people, you know, that, are, that have just, you know, had problems like this. And uh, um, it's just, uh, you know, that the landlord will go and lock them out of their place, you know. And, uh, you know, all this, like they, you know, then even if they owe some, even if they owe some back rent, they still have to be evicted, you know. And, right. and I think a lot of people don't. You know, don't fight for themselves. Right. One one thing though, uh, when we were researching out uh, this case before we put Mike on on the radio, uh, there's a case out of uh, Northern District of Ohio where they actually put a landlord in prison for uh, basically burglarizing, but they call it a burglary because he he entered illegally into the tenant's property. He tried to do a self help eviction, and they prosecuted him. And then put him in. Uh, it was in a, a Cleveland Plain dealer. Uh, so uh, you know, it is. Uh, there are courts that recognize this. That uh, you know, the tenant when he rents that property, he is he is master of that house. 
okay, he's, uh, you know, the Fourth Amendment applies to him. It, that is his house. You know, the landlord uh, is not allowed to enter that house at any time he sees fit or whatever, unless it's to do repairs, uh, that that kind of thing. So, um, you know, that that is that is the issue, that there's a statutory procedure uh, to follow. Like, one thing is uh, the Bar Association of the whole United States, they sit for the same bar, and different states will have different scores you have to pass to become a lawyer. Now, New York and California, they're one of the uh, strictest states, okay? But Michigan is the lowest state, okay? Uh, I think that it's like a 62 or 66 is uh, – so when, when you look over this case, uh, it appears like you'll have uh, even judges like this Judge Ledoux, like he'll, he'll be making rulings that don't, they don't even make any sense. And then, and then he later took himself off the case as he admitted that he was prejudiced, and yet his rulings are still standing. And that, that's in violation of, if you're prejudiced, then how can your rulings, he actually made a ruling after he took himself off the case. That, so what, what it does, it becomes into like a legal morass. Jerry, you say that happens all the time? Happens all the time, whether it be a landlord-tenant case or, or whatever, what have you. Uh, judges make rulings uh, that they shouldn't make uh, for whatever reasons, and they'll even admit that they're. I, I had a case in court where the judge actually took a sidebar with the attorneys, and the attorneys returned to my uh, my defense to tell me that the reason the judge took the sidebar was he wanted to make sure everybody was on the same page that the transcripts regarding the statements that were just made referring to the judge being involved in negotiations with the prosecution that he was not allowed to be involved in. Uh, the, the judge wanted to make sure everybody was okay with that being removed from the transcripts. Of course, everybody but myself. Amazing. Well, I remember in one case where I was called in, uh, I was subpoenaed to come to the court. And uh, the judge... Uh, when he comes out, he, when his black robe, I was sitting out in the, in the hallway. He says, why do you have to be here? Well, I says, because your court subpoenaed me. That's why I'm here. He, said, he says to me, get out of my sight. I said, I was here first. You can get out of my sight. This guy came out very rude, okay? Well, I found out later that he was uh, the reason, because I, I never met him before. I didn't even know who he was. But uh, he was very, very pro-death, pro-abortion. And because I was the president of the local right to life, the, the county right to life, uh, this guy comes out, and I was asked to give testimony, and so I'm on the witness stand, and none of the jurors would have any eye contact with me. I found out afterwards that the judge instructed them to have no eye contact because the fact that I was a pastor, I could hypnotize them if they looked at me. Now, now, you might think that's crazy, but that's true, okay? I understand. And uh, and uh, it didn't work. I went out trying to hypnotize people later. It didn't work at all. <laughs> if, I, if I could have, I would have done the judge, I think. It's amazing there, there can be a case in front of a judge who's supposed to be impartial and unbiased, and actually they are almost never fails the time that I've witnessed uh, any type of serious case where the judge has not gone in with a personal agenda. They have their personal beliefs. It's unfortunate 
you know, as far as I'm concerned, that in specific regarding, like, say, federal court judges, that they're given a position like that for life. It's supposed to be that they're given that position for life to make them not have to answer to anybody and allow them to be impartial. But if they have an agenda, that's going to be what it is. Well, where are you now, Mike? I mean, you have... Where are you at now? Because I saw that you got a state judge that ruled in your favor. So Right, uh, Judge Foster, and that, and that was a real significant uh, ruling that the judge would step up. It, it's like they realized they're wrong, and he... he said that, that he had personal property in there, that there's a claim, and that there is a claim for an illegal lockout. So when you have a state judge saying that, then uh, it, it shocks me that he would have a criminal case when this other state judge says that he was locked out. And he had a right to his I'm, a, I'm in the process. I'm going on, on June 9th, I'm, I have a trial on the criminal side of it. Um, in the criminal side of it, and uh, um, you know, and I it's been almost three years. It's uh, hopefully we're going to get some resolution on the criminal side of it on June 9th. On the civil side of it, I, I I'm going to I'm going to have to do. I'm working on an interlocutory appeal to try to reverse. Since we couldn't get the circuit court judge to reverse district court judge's decision, and then uh, we 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 have to do an interlocutory appeal. To, to try to reverse the uh, district court judges' rulings, uh, and uh, and 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 a lot of uh, and things that's happened throughout the case. There's a lot of other issues. Uh, this case is, is, is ridiculous. It's, the whole right. I, I feel plus, I'm a plus you have that, uh, that the trademark suit pending that uh, has to do with this uh, federal uh, registered trademarks on the passport pizza in the in the federal district court in Detroit. What was the question now? Oh, that, uh, just uh, making the comment that you also have that federal... Fellas, we're, we're up against yeah. the break. Hang tight. When we come back, we'll pick it up. Venus, hang on. We have Venus on the line who wants to get in on this. We'll be right back after this. WHKW Cleveland, WHKZ Warren. SRN News is next on The Word, a service of Salem Communications. Spreading the good news. AM 1220, The Word. And now, the end is near. If you're not saved, you're hurting. It's him that you should fear. That's the truth, I know for certain. He gave me life, that's eternal. He kept me from going astray. He's God, and this I know. He did it His
gets it done too and he has forever and he will forever folks uh, that's what he says in the word of god i have said it and i will do it and boy i'm going to tell you he's the only one that can no matter what no matter what he can get it done all right uh we have venus calling and venus says she's familiar with this case venus are you there yes i'm here um so tell us what you know about this case well, I've been going to Passport Pizza for years. I love the pizza and salad. And I just, I think it's an outrage that this could possibly happen to him. I don't know how anyone could get away with this. And I believe that um, justice will be served. Well, you know what? Here you go, Venus. This is up to you. I'm calling on you because this is what we do with courtroom observers. We made when we make a difference when the courtroom observer shows up, folks. The whole game changes up, everything changes. And uh, when people are in there and they have pads and they have papers and they're taking notes, you would be surprised. You would be surprised just how different things turn out. We've had so there are so many innocent people. Look, we've been in the prison ministry for over forty years, and I can tell you, there are so many innocent people in prison today. Uh, folks, you just won't believe. And uh, all of you, every one of you listening to me today, you're, you're one false accusation away from going to jail. Now, I'm, I know some of you are out there saying, no, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm 75 years old. That doesn't mean the thing. Listen to me. All of you out there, you are one false accusation away from going to prison. Right now, we're working on our fifth inmate that we're getting off of death row. Why? After 30 years on death row, after 30 years, guess what? They finally managed to get into the evidence lab and get the DNA, and the DNA proves, hey, guess what? It wasn't him. Many of you have heard uh, Mike Keenan and others on this radio program, men who have spent decades on death row, only to find out that they hid the evidence and the prosecutors go they 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 get away with literally get away with murder. So uh, there you go. That's the way things have been in this country, and, um, and we are in the great apostasy. We are in Second Timothy chapter three. Uh, we are in First and Second Thessalonians. All right, we're back. So here's what you have to do, uh, Venus. You've got to organize when when he goes into court. Uh, when Mike goes into court, you've got to pack that courtroom. So Mike. When is your court date? Uh, June 9th. So about a week and a half away. Well, tell the folks where it's going to be. What Do you have the, the courtroom, the, yeah. the, the judges? Yeah, uh, Judge Ber Chief Judge Bernanke. Um, it's, uh, it's in the Macomb County Circuit Court, and it's, um, it's going to be at 8.30 a.m. on um, June the 9th. Um, the case number is uh, 2014-002260, and um, it's uh, set for a jury trial. And uh, it starts, see, it's when, it's when it starts. And um, I was, uh, it, uh, um, the prosecutor is uh, you know, also friends with these, uh, these guys, too. 
you know, I'm a, I've been a victim of collusion. They're, governed, they're, they're using the government to, to try to solve a civil matter, you know, and it's, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's a resolve it for somebody. You don't use the government to try to resolve a, you know, a civil matter. You know, if you and uh, Tony Gallo have a beef, you know, let them do it, take you to court the way you're supposed to take you to court to uh, landlord-tenant action. But he's, uh, you know, I wouldn't play, you know, I, I wouldn't play ball the way he wanted me to play ball. So he used his friends to, uh, he used his friends to, uh, you know, do this. There's, there's you no got to, you got to talk more into your phone because you, uh, we're we're losing you. You got to speak directly I'm sorry, into it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. You okay. got to speak right into it. I, I apologize. Um, the, um, you know, I. Like I said, I think that, you know, I've been a victim of collusion. And I'm using the government to try to resolve a civil... Tony Gallo used the government to try to resolve a civil matter. And express, you know, uh, Okay, uh, we're losing you again. I'm going to go to Tom out in Michigan. Tom, you're in the air. <laughs> yeah, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? Good. I was in a similar situation in Macomb County, Um uh, lived there all my life and I know Tony Gallo and I know uh, Eric Smith the prosecutor and I was in a similar situation where the prosecutor did a favor for a friend where I was prosecuted for taking some TVs out of a restaurant that I was remodeling which I was a partner of with uh, an individual uh, Benny Sorrentino and when I would not uh, agree to get my son to take a lien off of one of his buildings, Mr. Sorrentino contacted Eric Smith and he had me prosecuted and kicked me out of our partnership. And uh, Eric Smith was a childhood friend of uh, Benny Sorrentino's son. They grew up together. And we went to court like 40 times and I finally did prevail. And I would not, uh, it cost me thousands of dollars to defend myself against this prosecutor who does all kinds of friends for Italian developers and, and builders, uh, within Macomb County. Uh, Pete Lacito is also an attorney, uh, that represents all the Italian, uh, builders and developers in Macomb County. So Pete Lacito has this, uh, backdoor uh, dealings with all the local judges in Cone County because of all his donations. So most of the judges, with the exception of Judge Foster, have all benefited from the Italian builders with all their donations. Well, it sounds like you guys got a Michigan mob cartel there. Macomb yeah. County is very, uh, very controlled by the Italian people, and if you're not Italian and, and and you're fighting for, you know, your rights, you're in the wrong county. Well, are you going to show up on court there on on, uh, on June the 9th at uh, yes. 8.30? Yes, I am going to show up. Uh, I know that Channel 4 has been uh, monitoring the case. Uh, they they monitored my case, and when, when uh, Eric Smith realized that Channel 4 was doing an investigation on his tactics of doing uh, favors for his buddies. He finally backed off of me after four years of putting me through hell. And I and I know that he's doing the same thing with uh, Passport Pizza. 
also he did it uh, where um, he was part of a cover-up for the police department in Clinton Township where they raided this car dealer's uh, home, and, and they were accused of stealing, the police were accused of stealing $200,000 from this guy's home. And the guy had separate cameras videotaping uh, the raid, and, and the police thought they destroyed all his cameras, and it showed the police stealing the money, and then Eric Smith dropped that guy's uh, case where they didn't prosecute him either. So, it's well, so they, they were going to prosecute him. So have you folks at all, uh, has anybody thought about reporting Eric Smith to the, the Michigan Supreme Court? Because here in Ohio, uh, every now and then we get one of those type prosecutors, and uh, they get reported, and uh, often... Uh, I, I did report him to the Attorney General, Mike Cox, uh, who is a Republican, and Mike Cox had his own... Uh, <laughs> problems with the, uh, the um, Manuge and Manchin party that he was at when he, where he was accused of being at when Kwame Kilpatrick was the mayor. So the whole political system in, in Michigan, uh, especially Macomb County and, and, and Wayne County, uh, if, if you're connected to a politician and you got the money, you can do whatever you want and the judges provide all these favors to these crooks who attack legitimate businessmen. All right, very good. Well, listen, I'm I'm glad you gave that. Why don't, uh, make sure you're there on, on June 9th at 8.30 at the Judge uh, Bernanke courtroom. And, yes, I will be there. All right, very good. And, um, yeah, the more people you have, the, the better chance of justice. Have your pens, papers, take notes. And the, yeah, I'd like to know how it turns out. Tom, are are you back yet? Yeah, I'm I'm going there. Yes. Okay. No, I, let me talk to. All right. Thanks. I mean, uh, Michael. I'm sorry. I meant Michael. Can, Michael, are you can there? Can, can you hear me better? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to speak right in your phone. Are, are you traveling by any? Are you on your cell phone traveling? Yeah, I'm on a cell phone, but I'm not traveling. Okay, because your signal seems to come and go, and you got to speak right into it. And, okay. And hold still. All right. Okay. Thanks for calling, Tom. Thank you, Tom. All right. We have Barb from West Virginia also. She wants to come on. Uh, Barb, you're in there. Go ahead. Hi. Hi. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I just had a, a quick comment. Um, I've got a friend whose nephew was put in prison. Um he was accused by his, are you there? Yeah, we're here. Go ahead. He was accused by his ex-wife of molesting his three-year-old daughter. Um, he was uh, put in prison on all hearsay. No proof. No, no uh, you know, no proven evidence of anything. Well, you know, that happens a lot more than, you know, um, right, Al? Right. Hey, that that happened down in West Virginia. Your nephew was like down in West Virginia. No, he's in Ohio. He's got life oh, in prison. Okay. With and her boyfriend was a policeman in Ohio, and uh, her two brothers, and they testified against him. And uh, there, that was it. He was done. He told you to a jury trial. 
And I just think it's so wrong. If it, Did he it, get a jury trial? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Well, he should have had a jury trial. And, and here's what happens. The judge can decide the verdict on the trial by what evidence he allows to, to be in the court. That happens. And I'll hang up and listen to you. All right. Very good. Uh, I wanted to just say, Al, Al, you know as well as I do, that the judge can decide the outcome of the trial by what evidence he allows in there and who he allows to testify. Um, right. No, no, it was that big murder case that just got uh, reversed uh, in Cleveland where the guy, uh, the priest went down from, uh, the guy spent about 23 years, and that was a judge-decided trial. And they, you, you know the one I'm talking about? Uh, Joe, yeah, Joe Ambrosio. Right, exactly, exactly. And so then, then there was an. Uh, so the, uh, basically, if he was able to maneuver that to a jury trial, they may not have even tried the case. That, well, that's a trick. Actually, they yeah. When, well, Mike Keenan was tried in the same case, and uh, he they lost. But then, both with Joe Ambrosio and with Mike Keenan. There were 21 pieces of evidence that were hidden, and it was locked up. And once any one of those pieces of evidence would have set both these guys free. Uh, Joe spent 22 years on death row. Mike spent 24 on death row. And we had him on the program, the lawyers here, talking about this. And that's how they got off, because once people started finding out what was going on down there, and the prosecutor, he's up and he's left town. He's gone. Uh, so, and this is why it's so important with you, Mike, that, uh, you get, uh, you, you have a lot of people in that. And you know, when, when people start finding out, hey, guess what? If we, we stand up, we can fight back against the corruption. Um, uh, that'll make a change, won't it? Yes, sir. But, uh, hopefully being on the show, I'll, I'll have a good show of people down there. And between the people in my, um, uh, it's sort of embarrassing telling people in my church, but uh, I have told you know close friends that I've been with, you know, and uh, but uh, you know I'm I'm planning on having a lot of uh, the few church members I do they they're they're all uh, they're all praying for me and uh, you know hope that justice is, uh, justice will be served. Right. Uh, even when we were investigating uh, this case, uh, Mike, you you had got us uh, over to the station uh, uh, some transcripts where uh, Tony Gallo was on the stand and. So he he would say, oh uh, yeah, the, uh, Mike uh, took his equipment. Then he corrected, oh my equipment, my equipment. Right. Like so, uh, you know, his Mike's equipment or or the third party entity equipment, all of a sudden is his equipment. And so, uh, and there there is ambiguity in the, in the lease. And then number three is if this equipment belongs to. A third party, then um, it cannot be pledged on the lease as collateral. And so, but uh, the the problem is that the evidence can be manipulated to the jury in such a way that uh, they think they can win a case. You know, they'll try ten cases and lose nine of them on weak evidence just to try to get that one conviction. So, you know, that that's the issue, that's the problem that um Mike's running into. But like he uh like if he takes it to the people which he has a constitutional right to do, uh, hopefully the spotlight, like F. Bailey says you gotta put the spotlight 
on the wrong. Okay, you know, 60 Minutes, 2020, they get involved. All of a sudden, uh, people get out of prison. So he's just trying to beat them to the punch. Well, you know, again, I, I don't think the vast majority of people in this country have any idea at all uh, about how many innocent people we have in prisons. We have a lot of innocent people there. And believe me, I know I've been in the prison ministry, as you know, Al, for over uh, 40 years. Exactly. And do you know how many guys that we've helped out? And look, you know, we believe if you've done if you've done the crime, then you ought to do the time. Uh, but, you know, it's... Did you know the Bible never gave us prison for a form of punishment? Did you know that? No. No, no. The Bible never, you won't find any place. Prison, you, there was no such, that was something done by the heathen. What the, Here's what the Bible did. The Bible, justice was swift. And uh, in most cases um, in, in the scripture, okay, uh, which what it referred to was, you, if, you know, if you violated somebody, you... Uh, and I'm talking about a nonviolent crime, um, it's restoration. You would have to pay back. Uh, if you stole from somebody, you'd have to pay back seven times, okay, what you stole. And it worked out very well that way because, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of innocent people going to prison. And so, uh, you know, we we have too many prisons. And guess what? You know, prisons are a major, major business, your private prisons today. And, and uh, just as, as we just had Dr. Ken Hovind, who wrote a book on called The Kennels, and you won't believe who the major stockholders, the major stockholders are in all of these private prisons. Senators, congressmen, just like unicorn in a federal system. Well, actually, judges. Judges are judges, first. Judges, yeah. Judges are the first, the major stockholders, and then, yeah, you have the others. And, uh, well, I'm going to, this is tyranny. This is exactly, uh, you know, what the Constitution meant to prevent. So, well, let me ask you this. Now, if, if, if tomorrow I get a call from Tony Gallo and he says, look, you know, I didn't get a chance to tell my story. I'd like to come on, um, you know, uh, with Michael Bischoff and, uh, with Al Thrower. Uh, what says, says Michael and Al? Oh, I'd be glad to. I'd be glad to confront him on all this. You know, I, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I had told Mike that, uh, as a sense of fairness, that he ought to uh, get a hold of his lawyer or uh, to let him. Hey, listen, uh, I, uh, I think you sent some flyers out, Mike, right, to different people. So he probably had yeah. notice of the show, right? I, I, yes, I did. And I, probably probably I have... more notice than you had when he changed the locks on you, right? Yeah, yeah, but I have but, a. But um, he has a he has a restraining order on him, but uh, so it, his hands were basically tied. But uh, as as a sense of fairness, of course we would like to have him uh, on the show. Yeah, that way you know uh, you guys can well tell him to see if you want. You know, I don't think it'll happen. In many, many cases like this in the past, and especially, you'll never get the prosecutor to come on. He'll never come on. Um, no. I have. Uh, I actually had one who, um, who who actually went by me. I was standing on the sidewalk, and he gave me the middle finger, his IQ, and he cussed mm -hmm. me. Um, and I went in to see him. I, you know, I thought he should apologize for that. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he had no no call, uh, no reason, you know, to disrespect me without a without a cause. So I went to uh, to just went in to see him to ask him to to apologize. And you know that son of a gun snuck out the back door. He would not even come out and face me. He went out the back yeah. door. Yeah. Um, like I uh, like that caller in uh, town, the gentleman Tom who called in. He's right. Uh, our local um, uh, uh, our local uh, NBC network. It's uh, the news channel from our local news up here. Um, Kevin Beats. He's been following following my case and trying to get a comment from our local prosecutor where, you know, he they're, they're usually these prosecutors are always they want to get their face in the T V every time they do something. He won't make one comment or give uh, the, the news station, you know, one call back. He just he even just ask him for a comment on my case, you know. What what is his name again, the prosecutor's name? Eric Smith. Eric so he, Eric Smith is laying low, huh? Eric Smith is laying low. That's right. He won't, uh, you know, he won't, uh, he won't even, uh, I, my attorneys won't, can't even get in there. To, you know, they won't even, unless we, unless we have it, unless we go in the court, you know, my attorneys, they won't even talk to my attorneys unless we're in court. And, you know, then they huddle up in the back room for a couple minutes. And unlike Tom, I've been in the court over 40 times over this, this issue in the last few years, you know. And so every time we go to court, you know, the, the attorneys, cha-ching, you know, you, they, they get you for a little bit more and a little bit more, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's you know, it's costing, it's costing me, I probably have $100,000 in it, it's already. Well, now you, you and your wife, you, uh, you guys have like a food bank, and you do some things for the local jail or prison, oh. don't you? Oh yes, we do. My wife she sits on uh, uh, sits on uh, the jail ministry of uh, Macomb County. Um, uh, she was uh, um, president of the jail ministry of Macomb County, and they merged with uh, another organization that um, Gateway to Glory. They also have some. She's not the president anymore, but they um, she sits on the board, and she. Uh, um, uh, they have three quarter way houses for people getting out of jail that don't have a place to go, and, they, and it's a Christian based uh, three quarters way houses. I think they have three houses in in uh, Macomb County, and then uh, she said uh, she we're active in a uh, organization called McRest, and it's a rotating shelter in Macomb County for uh, people who don't have any place to go. Different, uh, it's. Uh, Rotating that we set up at different churches every week, and people that are on the streets and have no place to go, they can um, uh, that we get them, you know, get them, get them um, uh, bed to sleep in. And she's, uh, you know, we're actively involved with McRest, and we also have a food bank. We um, uh, we help. We get a lot of food from different sources, and we deliver them to different food pantries and. Uh, uh, Churches, food pantries, uh, soup kitchens, uh, any place, uh, places that are feeding different uh, uh, nonprofit organizations. And uh, we gave over a thousand pallets of food away last year. In 2014, we went, uh, we won the National Restaurant Association's Good Neighbor Award. If you could look on YouTube, you'll and look up Passport Pizza NRA 2014 Award. You'll see uh, we were given an award in Washington, and um, yeah, for our, our good deeds, for giving over a thousand pounds of food away. Um, my, uh, my wife and I, we've been working on getting a uh, 
bill passed up in our state uh, legislature to protect restaurants and anybody that would give food to a nonprofit organization from as long as they give the food to uh, you know us and if it's in a safe condition they don't they don't they are takes away the liability of them getting sued. A lot of big companies, you know, they don't, you know, they want to have five days of life on their meat. When it gets down to three days of life, they might put it in the dumpster. Um, we could take this food and within, you know, within a day we can get different food, get it, you know, cooked up and to different, you know, people that can use it before it expires. And uh, But a lot, a lot of big grocers, uh, they don't want to do that. And uh, next uh, Wednesday we're having, uh, this went through the, our state, rep, state representative, uh, the House of Representatives and our state Senate and the governor is going to sign in the law um, next week. And uh, we've championed uh, uh, that bill and we've put with working with a couple of the state representatives uh, pushed that through in a year. And uh, so we're, we're really active, and uh, we, we, I believe that whatever we give out, we get back tenfold. It's, it's, uh, it's my business is, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've been in business for 35 years, and uh, we, we're really neighborhood-orientated. Uh, you know, and it's, uh, I've never, never, nobody, somebody called up and told me they're hungry. Um, and they're seriously, you know, you know, you sort of have to weigh out the, you know, the, the pranks from, the, you know, from the people. But if they're really hungry, we'll feed them. You know, well, we'll get Tony, them let me, or, or, uh, Mike, let me ask you this. Tony Gallard and, uh, and Eric Smith, were they aware of what, what you were doing? Were they aware of, of your Christian ministry? No, they don't. They don't. They, I don't even know. I don't even know Eric Smith. I never met the man, you know, the you know, he's that's what I don't understand. Why, why, what he, he, he's friends with like the call, the guy that called in Tom. That's how tied in those Italians are. You know, if this guy says, he just called him up and said, this guy stole from me. No investigations are done. He'll take the guy at his word and file larceny charges. It's, you know, we call these people, you know, on, on the civil end of it, we were calling in all kinds of uh, depositions. And you should, the police, the police, you know, they never even did an investigation. They never even went out to the location to investigate it. You know, they just take, taken Tony Gallo's word that I, I stole something that should have been his. You know, you know, without a, you know, and, um, and there's no, you know, and that's how they, that's, they figure that most of the people would just give in, you know, and, uh, yeah, well, one, at one time, they told me that one of the prosecutors told one of my attorneys that I could buy my way out of uh, I could buy my way out of going to jail. If I could pay twenty seven thousand dollars to Tony Gallo, and, and, and you know, and uh, twenty seven thousand dollars and make the whole thing go away, and make my larceny charges go away, or I could pay twenty thousand dollars and then make it a misdemeanor. Yeah, I can, you know, you know, what kind of what kind of nonsense is that? They didn't say anything about well, we consider this is a restitution. They didn't say nothing about restitution. The way they, the way they exactly worded it is, I could buy my way out of going to jail if I'd give Tony Gallo twenty seven thousand dollars. You know, and it's just uh, and um, and I, I I didn't do nothing. So I, I, I refused. You know, I I'm not gonna. You know, I'm just gonna let. Uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, is, that is uh, a violation of the uh, Michigan Code of professional responsibility proverbs, and the american bar association Co- proverbs chapter 29 says this the king by judgment establishes the that he that receiveth gifts overthrowed it okay he's talking about bribes that's what that's what we're talking about a bloody bribe right. isn't it yeah exactly you know and like i said it's you know it's i i collusion when you're in a government agency to 
solve a civil matter, you know, and, and, and you know, and you got the government, you know, I can't outspend the government, you know, it's just, uh, and, uh, and, and I understand, I mean, if I was, I could understand, the, you know, doing a favor for a friend, but not when it's, you know, not when you're a judge, you know, and that's, that's just, uh, the first judge, LaDuke, he just, and, and once he found, once he found out, you know, this thing was getting really complicated and I wasn't going to let it go, you know, he, you know, as soon as I asked him to withdraw, you know, to, to recuse himself, you know, he, he jumped right out of there as fast as I asked to recuse himself, you know, and, uh, and, uh, he, cause he knows, you know, he knew he did something. He knew he was doing something wrong. He wouldn't just let himself go unless my allegations that he was friends with, uh, unless he was, my allegations that he was friends with the defendant. I mean, uh, plaintiff, um, you know, he wasn't friends with me. He was friends with the plaintiff. You know, and, you know, he, 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 when he recused himself, he, you know, he said they're just allegations, but he was doing it just because it looked that way. You know, and you know, because I, had, I, we, we, I had a, um, I, and I did that motion pro se. My attorneys, where they wouldn't even, uh, they. And they wouldn't even do it. So I, I, I did that more. I said, well, ask him to recuse himself. You know, he goes, he's never going to recuse himself. He's got too, you know, he's got too big of a head. And I, I made up a pro se motion and, uh, and the judge first. Yeah. First on, a, thing, on, a, on an issue like, uh, because of the legal, uh, wrangling and all, like Mike, Mike, he did file a bankruptcy. Now, you know, you know how it is the airlines, GM, when they file a bankruptcy, everything, uh, the bankruptcy court, and this right out of the uh, bankruptcy judge's mouth, we are the next best thing to God on earth. And that's right out of a bankruptcy court's mouth. And and everything gets froze, froze. The banks, the banks, uh, they'll stop a foreclosure. Um, and and then Mike, he goes into court, you know, tells him, oh, I filed a bankruptcy. And, uh, I mean, when I was looking over the documents there, I was shocked because then they went, they said, well, we're going we're gonna to arrest you here. We're going to put you in this room. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.